0: BGRT Gaming Podcast, episode 634, recorded on December 28th, 2021.
1: to the 634th edition of the TD Gaming Podcast and 467th episode of Video Game Roundtable. I am TJ Densley. I am Scott Dirk. And I am Jonah Falcon. The VGRT Gaming Podcast focuses on game news from around the industry.
0: Well, not exactly game news. We're doing our award show. Yay. Hooray. (laughs) Not like the joke that was the Game Awards that we discussed last two weeks ago. And, I don't know, the Steam Awards are... Uh, I won't say they're jokes, but they're not impressive.
1: Yeah, and uh, I mean, <laughs> the Game Awards themselves are pretty much more of a commercial than they are an actual awards show.
0: Yeah, I, I read that they there were 17 minutes of actual awards in that show. Mm-hmm. How long was it again? Like three hours. 17 minutes of awards and three hours of everything else. There are some rules that I have for the game awards, and uh, one of them is you can't have two nominees from in the same game in the same in the same category, which is why um, you only see one from each. And best uh, best acting, no remakes, no ports, no remasters in the main awards, which is why you won't see Mist in the adventure game or Disco Elysium for the Switch being nominated. Mm-hmm. So. I wanted to get that out of the way. As for the consoles themselves and the PC, I didn't do it via Metacritic Award because here's the thing. If I did that, uh, the PC and the Xbox Series X Awards would be identical. First party and third party, all identical. It was basically which games represented were the best for that console, but also represented what that console could do and what its audience was as well. So, um, what we're going to be doing is we're going to have a lot of lists, and I go by the Academy Awards stuff. You know, I go into technical awards too. And not only are we going to say what the winner is, but then each of us is going to say what we thought, what we think was the best. A uh, little hint the games that won awards aren't the awards that I picked, they were more of a uh, consensus uh, review. I had no biases towards anything. I just made it, and then. You'll find that some of my favorite games in each award were not necessarily the ones that won. And by the way, uh, there are some games I discovered in the past month because I was busy doing all this research that I would have never given a, another look to until I saw the praises being sung by people who actually played it and the, the reviews that were they were getting. And I started checking them out I said, holy shit, these are actually very, very good. And they probably got dwarfed by some of the... Uh, bigger games that came out so i don't know if you know all of the games i'm going to be interested to see what you think of the fighting games that were nominated uh TJ, because you probably know more a lot about the nominees than i do and we're just going to start off and oh yeah we're going to do each we're going to take turns first me then scott then tj in and then i will um announce the awards and i have all the envelopes here and i'll be tearing up we'll open the envelopes just like they do with the oscars isn't that great yeah let's do it okay First nominees are for best sound effects in a game. The nominees are Deathloop, Forza Horizon 5, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, Resident Evil Village, and Returnal. And the winner is... Um, this one wasn't even close. This one was by far the winner, and that's Forza Horizon 5. Because I'm going to tell you something, the developer that works on that and also the developer in turn 10 who works on forza motorsport Uh, they go really hard into sound effects and all that stuff they get a lot of sampling and i heard from several people that their kids knew exactly what a car was a real life car was simply by the engine noise that it made that it was driving and i find that incredible so i I really can't disagree i mean forza horizon 5 uh, tj
1: the one that like stood out to me as like a late entry that probably a lot of people didn't think about is Inscription. Oh, that yes. game has an incredible atmosphere to it, and it sound effects and, and atmosphere are one of the most important th- are two of the most important things in horror games. And Inscription is very well built in that regard. It is a very unsettling game, and <laughs> a big part of that is the sound, is the sound design.
0: Well, the other horror game, there, Resident Evil Village, was a, was a, would, would, I think might have been my second choice.
2: Mhm. But sound effects, I think I'll go with Resident Evil, uh, just because it was just such a creepy horror vibe and just squishy. very to, squishy game. <laughs> yeah, go Resident Evil Village, with all the dark, macabre and Just all the crazy stuff that was happening in that game. So we're going to move on to the next nominee. Best song. The banks of the river are
1: lined with gold from The Artful Escape. City Lights Ode to Somewhere from Deathloop. Cosmic Eye, Smell the Universe, Psychonauts 2.
0: And the winner is... (laughs) Uh, Cosmic Eye, Smell the Universe from Psychonauts 2. This one basically sold the entire game i mean when they released that trailer for just the song with jack black singing Mm -hmm. i I mean that everybody said okay this is gonna be great it was sort of like a promise of what to expect the weirdness from that game and also the moment that he's helmet Fulbert sings it in the in the game also is awesome too
1: yeah uh helmet Fulbert's whole level a whole section is like one of the Biggest highlights of that entire game, in my opinion, and and that music is a big part of that.
0: I haven't played it much, but from what I understand, uh, "City Lights" out to somewhere has become the, uh, the 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 song that really tells you what Deathloop is all about.
1: Uh, "City Lights" is a is a love song between two of the uh, between two of the um, visionaries visionaries that you have to kill. Um. It's a uh, it's an interesting one as far as like because they're <laughs> I don't want to give spoilers away, but like they they are very inter- a very interesting couple.
2: I think the uh, Smell the Universe song was a really funny comedic song, but I think I like the banks of the river because uh, it's a nice guitar and and like soulful song. Yeah,
0: it's um it's basically a folk song that is at the beginning yeah. of the game, and the entire point is that Francis is is going to do a concert, right? And he he's what's it called he doesn't he doesn't really feel it with folk song, but it's the opening song when she's walking around, and you really feel like his his distress that he really is doing something. He'd rather be doing what he wants rather than. What everybody expects them to do, and it's very, yeah, it's a very soulful song. There was an original song for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a rip roaring '80s style thrash metal type of song. Uh, I could only keep it to three nominees this year, but uh, that might have been the fourth nominee.
1: Yeah, I will add also that like city lights, it's an interesting one because it's not even it's from what I understand it's not actually on the Deathloop soundtrack. The only place you hear this song is when you go to uh, hang out by, Frank, by Frank's club in uh, <laughs> in uh, the game, and it's just playing and it's just this weird kind of soothing crooner song in the middle of all this chaos that's that's playing over his radios and, and, and intercoms that's I don't know. I actually like I actually like grooved to that song a little bit when like I stopped what I was doing and listened to it when everything finally came to a still. And uh I, I really think that's a really great song.
0: Yeah. Uh, we're gonna move on to the next uh, nominee.
2: Best music is the Artful Escape, Deathloop, Marvel's Guardian of the Galaxy, Narita Boy Psychonauts 2,
0: and the winner is Psychonauts 2. And the reason that it won over something like The Artful Escape or Death Loop is that all of the music in it, while they're all connected, they're also very, very disparate. There are so many types of music in it. Like um, Compton's Cookout is different than uh, Hollis's Hot Streak, which is different than you know all of these every single level has its own music score, which is unique yet still part it still feels connected and it the music told as much of a story as as much as the uh as much as the dialogue did
1: yeah it's uh that is a very eclectic game as far as just like the environments you visit and and you're right the 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 very the very, very different natures and aesthetics of music in each of the minds is an incredibly well thought out and and well implemented set. Um, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy was like an odd one for for me this year because like I had I'm so used to the movies in which in which uh, the music is usually folksy folk rock. Yeah,
0: um, this one went with 80s hits all over the yeah, place. They went like <laughs> full on into like, like uh, I ran and uh what other songs from Deep Purple and yeah. uh <laughs> um just like
1: like like just like Ronnie James Dio as a brand as <laughs> and like that was not something I expected out of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, but I can dig it because I really like that music.
0: Here's the thing: the movies made sure that if you're gonna do a Guardians of the Galaxy game film, you better have a kick-ass soundtrack. Mm-hmm. This is only also the only soundtrack that was not that mostly had um, songs from a previous medium. I mean, there was one or two songs that were, you know, that were specific to to, to the game, but um, it was the only one of these that was a, a, a jukebox uh, game.
2: Um, yeah. I would go with Guardians of the Galaxy as well. I mean, I prefer 80s music, so that's going to be a jam.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, the Artful Escape was basically you playing a David Bowie concept album. <laughs> basically. And when it soars, you feel like you're soaring. I don't know if either of you actually played Narita Boy, but if you're really into 80s synth, it it's the game that you want to play because it is heavy on the 80s synth. Which is, you know, it's it's pretending to be one of the old, you know, consoles like an NES or, or, you know, and so that that's the why it's in an 80s synth mode. Have either you played Narita Boy? I
1: have not, but I know what you're talking about with that. I've heard parts of that soundtrack, and it is that kind of jam. It's uh, it's a fun one as far as like the sounds go.
0: And of course, Death Loop is basically Grindhouse. <laughs> Deathloop is
1: good in that it has it does a thing where like it has a core theme, and it it adapts that core theme throughout each of the islands and based on if you're going stealthy or aggressive, and I think that's that's always something that impresses me is is just how much a composer can stretch one sort of core song into so much more than the, than that one uh, than that one set. I uh, I also like the I mean I we were just talking about it. I like city lights. I like uh, the the uh, um, deja vu song. Yeah. But but like the song that also the, the music that also plays throughout the game like there's a straight up version of it in and one of the areas where if you go aggressive it sounds like uh, it sounds like the chord progression to Led Zeppelin's "Hold All the Love."
0: <laughs> well, you know, t- here's the thing: Arcane. You never really know them for the music in their games. I think they just wanted to really sell you on the game with the music in this as well. And yeah. here's here's the other thing: I watching it being played, I could not tell it was an Arcane game. Yeah, it doesn't quite have that that dishonored look to it.
1: Yes, it's also one of the most, I would say, f- you're free to do as you please without conce- without too much consequence, outside of if you die, of course. Well, if you die, you just start the loop over, I mean. But, like, yeah, exactly. It's But, like, you don't get penalized for going loud. You can still go stealth. And it gives you some of the funnest tools that I've seen in an arcane game to do both.
0: So we're going to move on to Best Writing, and um, there are two writing awards, and here's the difference between them. You have Best Writing in an Action Game and Best Writing in a Narrative Game. In an action game, it's just dealing with the writing. You really don't have that much control of the story. You don't really interact with dialogue. In a narrative game, you do. You have choices. You talk. Dialogue could be different. So um, I had to split them up, or else we would just have adventure games and RPG games dominating the uh, entire thing because their entire point is narrative. you know. In an action game, you'll have narrative, but it's not necessarily going to be the focus of the game. So, um... Best writing in an action game. Deathloop,
1: Halo Infinite, It Takes Two, Psychonauts 2, and Returnal.
0: And the winner is... Halo Infinite. Now, this is a surprising for me, because Halo... While it's always had its moments, it's never been the talkiest or the most emotional of games, and this is the first time I would ever consider Halo Infinite to be nominated for writing at at any stage, but there is such a depth of what's going on in this in that you see so many character moments that it was actually shocking. And I would say Psychonauts 2 is like a little hair behind it, but there's a difference between Halo and Psychonauts 2. Halo Infinite also has the funniest enemy chatter that you will ever hear, and there's hundreds of lines that it will just make you laugh. Like a grunt will say, if you came to hear me beg, you will be satisfied
1: yeah, the, they really upped their game on the enemy banter in this one uh, the grunts are really funny the 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 elites, the brutes all of them, I got killed one time and uh, one of the grunts was like let's see you spartan your way out of that you dead <laughs> idiot and it's like, holy
0: shit <laughs> I had a the grunt little... kill me and, and, and tell me I hope you taste better than you fight <laughs> <laughs> Um and, and then, then like the you have Glibdub. you have Glibdub who's yeah. the uh, grunt who's in the uh, propaganda towers and he's like the riddler you know as the game goes on he gets more and more depressed because you're you're beating everybody until he's actually saying yeah I'm crying on the thing I don't care yeah and like
1: not to take away from the narrative either like they actually they they put together you obviously have Master Chief, but they put together a good trio of characters that like take you through this game and and the pilot, um the weapon who uh who is
0: she goes kinda... through a lot in that game. And
1: for I haven't made it to the end yet. Okay. But everyone I've talked to says that like the, end, the 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 final act of this game is very very good stuff.
0: Let's just say uh, the man hug that's in it is earned.
1: Deathloop, of course. I'm. I, I love that game, and and it has, I would think, one of the best arcane stories that's ever been done so far. I think that a time travel Even story is very hard. Yeah, I would say a time travel story is very hard to do without getting convoluted or stupid. <laughs> and I th- and I think Deathloop does a very good job of handling it. Um, the endings are backwards, in my opinion. The good ending sucks and the bad <laughs> ending is far more satisfying to me mm. it, it feels like there's actual closure in the bad ending yeah um but i still think it's a pretty dang good narrative throughout
0: you know getting back to halo infinite i don't know how far you've gotten into it but the storyline weaved with the weapon is powerful and um i can't really talk about it that much did you get to the part in which uh the pilot hits his lowest point and a chief has to reassure him. I have not, but uh,
1: yeah, I could, I got that vibe out of him.
0: (laughs) This is the first time you ever see master chief admit that he's human and he makes mistakes. And here's, if you've played any of the halo games, master chief isn't exactly the chattiest guy. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, they said in halo two, he has like 17 lines in the entire game. And he's always the stoic. Here, he is not the stoic. And he's no longer this blank face with Stephen Downs just saying these one-liners. Here, Stephen Downs has to act. And when you finish Halo Infinite, you'll see why that um, this game won uh, the best writing. Getting back to Psychonauts 2. Um, it's painful for me to have it not win because Psychonauts 2 is all about PTSD as well. It is about broken people and how they cope with it and their failure to cope with it and how Raz helps them cope with it and the resolution of the game. And I can't do any spoilers because it's still, it's still still a fresh new game. It's also a powerful game that you would not expect from something like, like Psychonauts because it, it, the game opens with a warning that this deals with real mental issues, and they're not kidding.
1: Yeah, I, uh... Psychonauts 2 also had one of my... one of the most well-developed de- twists, I think, of any game that game story this year. Um, it caught me by complete surprise, and I think it was a very powerful moment that led to a very good... That led to ultimately even a stronger second half of the game.
0: And it was so satisfying to become Gogolore at the end Mm -hmm. without giving anything away. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, Gagalor was from Psychonauts 1 in which Raz turned into a Godzilla-type character.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: He does that at the end of this one without giving anything away. It Takes Two had some great writing, but I also thought it was a very strange game. I don't and, like this character. I don't like those two people that you have to play as. I think they're terrible. Yeah. But on the other hand, I think they're deliberately that way. I get the sense that yeah, the these are not supposed to be good people. It's mm-hmm. hard to do unlikable people, but I the other thing is that it just felt real to me though. It felt just a little real to me.
1: hmm
0: And you played Returnal, right?
1: Yes. It's uh it's a very it's got a decent they took what they took lessons from uh, from what Hades did well in the whole procedurally <laughs> generated uh, rogue like, and I think they did a good job with it. It's got a very it, I, if Inscription didn't come out this year, I would actually consider Returnal to be the better horror game over over what's what was out there this year. It's a it's a suspenseful game. It's a very interesting narrative going on, and. Uh, and it does like that sort of it does that rogue like uh, keeping progression going even when you lose type thing. I think it does that quite well.
2: Yeah.
0: Anyways, we're gonna move on
2: to best writing in a narrative game. Best writing in a narrative game: The Artful Escape, Fuga, Melodies of Steel, Life is Strange, True Colors, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and Sherlock Holmes Chapter One. And the winner is. Fuga,
0: Melodies of Steel. This game took me completely by surprise. Um, I don't know anything about the series. It's apparently from the Little Tail Bronx series. But uh, this game has some heavy subjects for what I basically saw as an RPG that uses advanced war combat. But it deals, you know, you know how in a lot of Japanese games you have all these young people who are fighting in a war against, you know, in a World War II type setting. They don't get into. The kind of emotions that you would actually have in a war like that. It remind. Uh, what was the name of that game that took place in World War Two? Valiant, uh, Heart, Valiant Hearts, I think it was. Val-
1: yeah, that's correct.
0: Yeah, this game went that route, and it was surprising.
1: Oh no, they're cute cat people. And this is war. <laughs> this is. This looks like it's gonna. <laughs> looks like it could be intense. I haven't. I actually didn't know anything about this one. I'll have to check this out because it, like you said, it has advanced war, It has advanced war combat style. I like that about. I like that style a lot, and uh, and there's the fact that it actually looks like it's well. It's well made. I uh, I had no idea this came out.
0: Yeah, this is done by CyberConnect Two, who's done the Naruto games and Little Tail Story. mm Hmm. Uh. Um, we're going to move on to best voice acting. Ozioma Agaka as Julianna Blake in Deathloop. Jack Black as Helmet Fulbear in Psychonauts 2. Erica Mori as Alex Chen in Life is Strange: True Colors. Maggie Robertson as Alcina Diminutiveme Diminutiveme Lady D. Okay, Lady D from Resident Evil Village. And Jen Taylor as the weapon slash Cortana Halo Infinite. And the winner is. Jen Taylor as the weapon slash Cortana in Halo Infinite. I already spoke about uh, the storyline that that those characters go through in the game, and once you finish the game, uh, TJ, you'll understand exactly why she won. And getting getting back to game other games, uh, it was a tough choice choosing whether to do uh, Kelly David David Kelly I think it was who plays mm-hmm. who plays Colt um, or. Ozioma Akaka as Juliana Blake. It was a tough choice between the two because basically they have a lot of banter going on. Um, and uh, she, she had the tougher job and I think she nailed the character better. Yeah. I've,
1: uh, I've talked about how well she does it at other points, but like one of the probably most oppre- impressive parts of uh, Ozioma's uh, full performance. I can't imagine how hard it is to sound that passive aggressive <laughs> and make it so and make it so convincing throughout an entire game.
0: Well, and then, you realize they broke up, so and he doesn't remember her, so yeah. Oh, it's it's it's
1: more than that. There's a twist, but like I know. And and as the and as the layers of the onion get peeled back, like the full sense of exactly why she's like that makes her performance all the better. But I do agree with Jen Taylor. Jen Taylor has there the there are Jen Taylor actually plays three different characters in Halo Infinite, and she plays a lot of those characters throughout the entire game. And those characters are three vastly different performances. The range that she puts on in Halo Infinite is very impressive.
0: So you remember when I said you can only have one nominee per. Mm-hmm. Which is why I couldn't put in Kelly. And of all the characters from Psychonauts 2, I chose Jack Black. But I could have easily put in um, David Kaye as Ford Crawler because his role in that film, he has to go through a lot in that game too. His, his The emotions that he has to do. Mm-hmm. And, also, and also Richard Horvick as Raz as well. I mean, the things that he learns are devastating to him. Yes,
1: Absolutely. Um, and then like Maggie Robertson, she th- <laughs> D- Dimitresk Everybody's gonna be like, "Well, it's the tall vampire lady, and we're all horny." But like, that's that's only half the equation. Oh, Maggie Robertson's character well. Yes, she puts on a very commanding and sinister presence. Uh, she plays a lord of a castle quite let me, well.
0: Let me put it this way. You hear her and you say, "Yeah, she's nine feet tall." <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Um. So, like, and and Maggie Robertson did the voice and the mocap for that character throughout the game. Hmm. It's she she did the whole package and she did a very good job of it.
0: So, anyways, um, we're gonna move on.
1: Best voice cast. This is gonna be Deathloop, Halo Infinite, It Takes Two, Psychonauts Two. Ratchet and Clank rift apart.
0: Hey, and the winner is Psychonauts 2. Like I said, it was tough finding a single character to use from Psychonauts 2. And basically, um they all melded together. I mean, there's every single character was interesting. Mm-hmm. Even the ones you wouldn't think were interesting, and some of the and also we have to forget we can't forget, a lot of them are really, really, really funny. Like Sam Boole and the animal abuse she does and her discussion of making pancakes has become mm-hmm. a medic <laughs> she milked a bird
1: <laughs> yeah she she's a little weirdo um it was in, like meeting all meeting all of the psychic 6 which like technically psychic
0: 7 but that's spoilers
1: yeah meeting all of the Psychic six is 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 quite an event throughout the entire game and like they're these ama- they're these amazing people and they all have terrible problems and and like exploring those problems is kind of part of what makes them each so very interesting and well played um and like you said uh, like I was about to say i hate those intern kids but uh <laughs>
0: Well, they hazed him. That's what happens. That's what happens. <laughs> uh, to be fair, you know, after he's hazed, two of them, um, the tall guy and the guy in the wheelchair, are very friendly towards him after that. Mm-hmm. And they all warm up to him. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I like there. there
1: is a great variety in Psychonauts, too. And yeah, you're right. Like every one of those characters has something worth being there for.
0: So, what game is there? Any other game that you think of that has a great voice cast? Um, Deathloop is fantastic, not only just because
1: of uh, of Colton and uh, Juliana. Uh, the Visionaries are very well played as well. They are they are a, they are a Koopa Kids menagerie of weirdos and killers and bad people that need to die. Um, I particularly like Alexis Dorsey because that guy is a complete piece of shit and he will convince... You won't get to really kill him until close to the end of the game. And by the time you get there, he will have spent so much time convincing you of why you want to just beat him to death with his own arm that it's... it's <laughs> They couldn't have... they. The, the guy that plays him couldn't have, like, made him more reprehensible.
0: How about you, Scott? Like, keep in mind, it doesn't have to be a nominee, so if you want to say Trails from the Sky Cold Steel 4, go right ahead. I guess it takes
1: two. It was good. It's another one of those games where, like, the, the two main characters are obviously the standout, but, like, the, the characters that they meet along the way are really interesting. Like, there's...
0: The book of love is played by the game's uh, le- uh, lead direct developer. Um, he, I think
1: he moke. I can't remember if he voiced, but I know he mocapped. Um, either way, that book of love is—he's—he's he's as horrible as the two of them are. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and <laughs> and God, he's so like chipper about it. <laughs> but um. But also, like, there's there's just so many weird characters that throughout that game, like the squirrel army, the the bee that wants to be wa- a wasp. Um, there's <laughs> the the uh her, there's like a space ape uh doll that's like the girl's best friend that w- tries to stop you from uh, trying to get back to her, and like th- the characters are just weird. Come to like weird normal objects in life that have that have been twisted by this sort of imaginative world. But I think that like the way that they're portrayed is really funny.
0: We're going to move on to best graphics. Uh, and of course, we have two nomi- categories, best graphics technical and best graphics artistic. First one is best graphics technical. Uh, we have Far Cry 6, Forza Horizon 5, Hitman 3, Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart, and Resident Evil Village. And the winner is... Uh, Forza Horizon 5. Um, like I said, they did a lot of work on that game, so we're not going to go over it again, and I would say that I think that Hitman 3 would be a close second, because um, they had to do a lot of locations and make them look good.
1: Yeah, Hitman 3 is extremely dense. And gorgeous at the same time. It is, it is pretty amazing how much IO Interactive can stuff into one scene to make it to make it so lively, and they do that with six different environments that are, that all have vastly nif- different narratives going on within them. Um, the uh, th- this year the Dart this year the Dartmoor uh, mansion. Was quite a standout because it it is literally a knives out murder mystery happening within <laughs> within a mission. Um, but I also think that like it's even among even even as cool as that is, it's 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 among a lot of really cool missions in Hitman 3. Chong King is a neon and rain soaked. City in China that like you're you're wandering through looking for your targets, and I think that like every bit of Hitman Three is just freaking gorgeous.
0: And of course, Ratchet and Clank: Rift Apart looks like a Pixar movie as usual. hmm And um, also Resident Evil Village, and um, you could almost say it. It's also should have been it could have been nominated for best graphics artistic because of the dollhouse scene.
1: Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Anyway, speaking of which, go ahead, TJ.
1: Um, best art, best graphics, artistic, the artful escape, Chicory, a colorful tale, Death Store, Fuga, Mr. Melodies of Steel, and It Takes Two.
0: And the winner is It Takes Two. So yeah, speaking of uh, speaking of a walking Pixar movie. <laughs>
1: Yes, that like I said in the previous, uh, like I said in uh, Best Voice Cast, a, part of, a big part of It Takes Two is just the sheer variety of things you see throughout the game that are just like normal things twisted in the, into this imaginative realm. And uh, the way in which uh, they they do that with a lot of the stuff like like I said the squirrel army the bees the the child's playroom the child's dolls and all and so much more it is
0: yes faintly disturbing yes
1: yes absolutely <laughs> that game is a big like super charming on the surface but but always just a
2: little bit of uh, I
1: don't think I like what's going on here <laughs> underneath.
2: I think I would have gone with uh, Eastward myself. I love the pixel graphics and the just the, the way they use the art and light in there to create mood and I'm just, I guess I'm, I have a preference for 2D but this one was really good and you know they also had the little mini game with Earth Earthbound, Earthborn so that was yeah. really good. Um, Um, yeah, I would have not known about this
0: game until I'd been doing my research, but Chicory, A Colorful Tale, is exactly what it says. I've been playing
2: that. It's a really beautiful game. You get to paint every screen, and, uh, sometimes some of the characters want you to color in a certain way, um, but you only get, like, four or so colors per area, so it's a little bit limited, but it's a lot of fun. Uh, you get little puzzles, you... Uh, trying to platform through certain areas, and you fight the boss with the paintbrush. So that's that's pretty fun, and it's a very relaxing game, as you can just color the, the, the background. Yeah.
0: And of course, here's the thing: uh, Death Star is a devolver digital game. You can tell because it's a better looking game than it is a better play, uh, than the gameplay, and that's not. It's a it's it's a great game but it always looks better than it should and death store has that uh that dour monochromatic you know all blacks whites and grays
1: yeah death store was my would would have been my pick out of everything on this list because they they do a very good job of using like the like the the water the sort of watercolor world as well as like the as well as, like, sort of thematics and filters to each area that you go through. Uh, the Death's World, where it's just sort of a monochrome black and white grayscale. Uh, gray um, the witches' Area, where you got, like, this garden full of urns and, and pottery and also leaves, or er, trees full of red leaves. There's a lot of striking detail in that world. Um, my pick wasn't on this list. Uh, Guilty Gear Strive is probably the yeah. best looking thing that I saw all <laughs> year long, and it's amazing how much detail they packed into a fighting game.
0: I don't know um, does Arc System Works ever? Uh, it, we can't just nominate an Arc System Works game every year, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but like they even did, they even went above and beyond what other people are what other people are doing with fighting games in terms of visuals. Um, there's a thing I mentioned in a previous episode where the colorations of the characters are already striking, but they actually change and adapt based on what stage you're fighting in and where you move on the stage. It's so impressive to see that, that how, how much detail they put into the lighting and shadow aspect of their characters and the backgrounds actually affecting them. I think that it's w- w- so we've gotten into 2.5D and we've gotten to where Street Fighter has done two games in that style and it never affects the character colorations that much this is like, you have a fully different character color palette based on if you're, you're fighting in a desert cliffside or if you're fighting in the under arches of a
2: castle it's amazing what they did with that best VR game uh, demo I Expect You to Die to The Spy and the Liar, Resident Evil 4 VR, Subnautica Below Zero VR, and Wraith the Oblivion Afterlife.
0: Okay, and the winner is... Um, Resident Evil 4 VR. Um, I don't even know... Okay, I, I'm, I'm lying. There, it, there was competition for this one, and that's Subnautica Below Zero VR. Because... Um, you can sing the praise of uh, Resident Evil 4 VR, uh, TJ, in a moment, but I'm gonna say, anytime you have a VR game that's set underwater, and it looks that underwatery, you're gonna be nauseous two times over, and that's in a good way because it looks great. And Subnautica Below uh, Zero is is a really good, you know, it's a really good game to begin with, but that game was almost made for VR.
1: Yeah, Subnautica. I haven't. I actually didn't know that there was a VR version of that, but like they are very good at their at designing their sort of alien underwater world. Um, it's very lush and very colorful and very watery.
0: Um so sing seeing the praises of Resident Evil 4 VR.
1: This game was a masterpiece. Like the, <laughs> it's the it's the full Resident Evil. De- First off, Resident Evil Four is a masterpiece, and then they. Made well, it more more fun to play than ever.
0: Um, I noted that some people talked about – here's the thing. In Resident Evil 4, the regular game, the movement was clunky, right? Because that's how it was for the PS – was it PS2?
1: PS2. Yeah, you had the, you had the tank controls and the ready-to-fire stuff.
0: Here you can just turn around, walk, run, and all the other characters are still moving slow. And it's like, yeah, I'm just gonna wreck you while you're still trying to make your first move.
1: Yes, and they and yeah, they still introduce so many numbers that, uh, or uh, such crowds that, like, it still feels intimidating. It still feels stressful when you look, turn around and see a whole bunch of them there having chased you. No, I'm talking about those huge trolls. Oh yeah. Um, but like the yeah the contr- the uh, the controls and locomotion are the stars of the show in Resident Evil 4 VR. The only,
0: the only problem is when you're escorting Ashley she's still slow so you have to keep on going back for her. You can still tell
1: her to hide though so that alleviates things. Um <laughs> but uh just being able to handle Two items in either hand is (laughs) is is amazingly uh, freeing in this game. You
0: can have about to say OP. You can say it was OP because it is OP. Oh no, I wasn't gonna
1: say it's OP because it's just fun. I don't need. I'm like, I guess in a way, yeah, yeah, you're right. But at the same time, it's just fun being able to handle a pistol in one hand and hold the knife in the other, so that when you shoot a zombie in the leg, you can run up and start slashing at them while you shoot at other zombies. Um, it's the same thing with the with the sniper rifle and regular sniper and Resi- regular Resident Evil games. You have to look down the sights in order to fire the sniper rifle. This you can hold it at your hip in both hands and fire it without having to look down the sights if you want. And I think that's like kind of a game changer in certain areas. Um, similarly, like there's a boat boss fight. Oh, you in mean the, the giant fish. And I thought that was going to be a bad time because I thought it was – because I thought the jerking – uh, because me. the fish tugs you along.
0: Uh, well, I thought the the fish tugs Being you along. Being in a boat and this gigantic megalodon-like creature under the water in VR is going to frighten the hell out of anybody.
1: Well, more along the lines of I thought it was going to be really uncomfortable. I thought it was going to be like the most vomit-inducing part of the wow. whole game.
0: Well, that's all the danger in VR, yeah.
1: Because you're being jerked along by this monster that is like making the boat jerk left and right and, and tugging you in a way that you don't have much control over. But they designed an entire suite of comfort options specifically around that one boss fight, and I think that's very impressive, the way that they put so much effort into the comfort and accessibility of this game.
0: They could have done away with the QTEs though. I mean, they it, did. It was never. There's an there's an option in the menu really? to actually turn off the QTEs. Oh, because if you have them on, they sort of like slow it down and make it easier, and they put these bright lights around it. It's like, yeah, don't fail. But uh, yeah, I guess they figured out. You know what? The QTEs, no one cares
1: about. They still have like it's motion control QTEs, so like it makes sense the way that you right, handle so the you're controls now dodging for it. it.
0: Got it. Okay. Uh huh.
1: But. For, those, uh, for people that are just like, I don't want to do that, they gave you an option. They just like say, okay, you can just turn the QTEs off and watch the cutscene. Which I right. think is a
0: great solution. <laughs> so, um, let's talk about some of the other games. Uh, Demio. Um, this is an RPG board game. And it's really fun. If you, mm-hmm. as, it's, it's really meant to be played with other people. And the Oblivion Afterlife. Um, I've always been a sucker for World of Darkness. And... Um, this hems the, the uh the toes the line of being a RPG and a walking simulator. But the story really made it worth it. Um I'd like the fact that all five of the, the VR games are not glorified tech demos. They're not even like bone works in which they're like a concept for a game that might be coming. No, these are full games now.
1: hmm Dimeo is really fun too. I like the idea of a virtual I'm just like this virtual tabletop game that's also alive. I uh, I've played a lot of d this year, and uh, it's and they keep adding more stuff to it, which makes it all the more fun. Um, they they've been adding more dungeons and modules to it as uh, time goes on. They're about to release their third one next year, and. Uh, they have done a very good job of capturing the spirit of like what I want to do with a tabletop VR game with friends.
0: Have you played? I expect you to die too. I have not. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's it's basically a fun game.
2: Uh, exploring all the ways you can murder people, basically. The best expansion is Animal Crossing: New Horizons, Happy Home Paradise, Disco Elysium, The Final Cut. Final Fantasy XIV, Endwalker, Outer Wilds, Echoes of the Eye, and Subnautica, Below Zero. And the winner is... Subnautica, Below Zero.
0: Which is sort of a, a mild upset over Disco Elysium, the final cut, but all that at really added was a few more stories and, well, okay, voice acting, but... And I will say, yeah, that was a... That was a, a chore because what was it ten thousand a hundred thousand words in that game
1: that is a very densely dialogue driven game and they voice acted every single line in it including the voices for your inner for your inner thoughts based on the the uh, aspects of yourself you choose such as like the brood aspect the, the chemist aspect all that stuff all of that is voiced
0: yeah but Subnautica so go below zero gets it because um it's a standalone expansion and it takes the original concept and makes a really good story out of it
1: yeah below zero is a, like i i've always i've always thought of below zero as a sequel but you're probably right it is
0: it's, it's a standalone expansion mm-hmm. but still
1: and it is a very vastly different biome from what you've dealt with in the from what you dealt with in the first game or in the original game
0: yeah I
1: like uh, Happy Home Paradise a lot, and <laughs> it's it's very interesting what they did with uh, with expanding that game. And like in and, and like the 2.0 came out at the exact same time, but we're I'm obviously going to put that aside from this and speak about speak to Happy Home Paradise and what it does on its own. The idea of designing vacation homes for your for the Islanders or the the Animal Crossing characters is funny. And uh, they have some very odd. They have some very odd ones. There is a uh, lion that wants a house that's just all toilets. <laughs> just what? All re- he just wants a house that's all restrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know why. That's his. That's his jam. His deal, and he is uh, welcome to it. Um, but I also like the fact that what. They also gave you tools such as being able to partition uh, rooms with walls and cubicles and such. And that's something that you can take back to the main game and do to your own house, which I think adds even further value to your own customization of your island and your house.
0: Well, here's a question for Scott. Which was the better expansion for you? Was it the Animal Crossing New Horizons special or the part two of the cliff what was the name of it? Cliffs and, uh, for Minecraft. Cliffs and Coves? Something, oh god, I, I don't play, I haven't been playing much Minecraft.
2: Cliffs and
1: Caverns, I, th- I do believe.
2: Yeah. I've been enjoying the new Minecraft expansion and the Animal Crossing expansion. Yeah, it's, it's an, uh, it's a, more like an update in Minecraft, but, uh, I've been going, the, the mountains are everywhere now, and, <laughs> And uh so there's a lot of climbing to uh find coal and iron and then going down into the deep dark caves to find diamond and deep slate and uh just other materials and it, it, it has a whole different atmosphere now. It's just it's it's very well done. I'm looking forward to the dark cities in uh one point nineteen. Mm. But in Animal Crossing you get to go to this <laughs> Well, I'm enjoying building the houses for the different residents that are there. And then you take a photo and you get new items and then you get pokey points. So that way you can buy furniture from them and you unlock abilities as you uh, upgrade the houses. And you can, you know, do different you do different facilities. You get a store, you get a restaurant and you start building all of that. I haven't played Outer Wilds or the Final Fantasy 14 Endwalker, but I've heard good things about the Endwalker expansion. So for me, um, if I were to pick, it would be Outer Wilds
0: Echoes of the Eye because it adds another story which deepens this, and it makes it a little bit more emotional and resonant, especially if you have the prisoner with you when you end the game. Uh, for those people who played the Outer Wilds, the Echoes of the Eye was such a gift for them. It was such a great... Uh, addition to the game that just added so many more layers to it. I played the core game. I haven't
1: had a chance to play this, the expansion yet.
0: Yeah, but
1: I love Outer It's a it's a very interesting time puzzle.
0: We're gonna move on. We're gonna move go to best casual game. And the nominees are The Artful Escape, Chicory: A Colorful Tale, Mario, Potter, Mario Party Superstars, Townscaper, and Unpacking. And the winner is. Chicory, a colorful tale. Like you guys said, this is a game that you can just sit back and relax and just, you know, that's the entire deal with a casual game. Just, you know, just kill time, make colors. Uh, but here's the thing: is that I, it went back and forth with this and unpacking. I unpacking could easily win as well. Um, have either of you played unpacking yet?
1: Um, I have. I like that game. It's very fun. It's,
0: it's sort of. Well it tells a story as you're it, it it's one of those games in which the story is very in the um in the stuff you're doing you're obviously playing this girl who is growing up going to college getting a job you played Chicory, a colorful tale didn't you?
1: yes, I like that game it's uh it's very fun how much. Artistic freedom you get in Chicory to basically just color it. The game, I, you, you can treat it like a coloring book and just paint the world as you want. Um, and obviously, as you go through more of the game, also just like the fact that you use different, very different various colors or removing the color from them to sort of Remove solve, solve yeah. puzzles from the world. I think that's a very interesting concept in and of itself, but. I just like the artistic freedom in that game a lot. It's very fun.
0: Townscaper is also a hell of a lot of fun, too, even though it's just you laying down walls and the, the towns building themselves as you do it. And you cannot do anything wrong, but it's so fun to watch how the game reacts to your designs. Like, you'll start putting bridges and arches and all these things to justify everything you're doing. Like, if you close off a piece of land with roads, it turns into a little park, and it's just one of those games in which you just put it on, fool around with it, see what, what you can build, and then put it... There's no failure state in the game. And it's also a very inexpensive game. I think it's like, what, $5 on Steam now?
1: Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play that one yet, but it's not, but from the looks of it, it looks very fun and it looks very relaxing.
0: Which, uh, is there another casual game that you would have nominated? Probably Cozy Grove. Oh, uh, which, yeah, that was uh, that was considered.
1: Which, that was a sort of... it's It's a... It's a it's a sort of life sim where you just like you're on an island full of ghosts that uh, you yeah you're camping <laughs> that, and yeah you're a camp you're a scout a spirit scout and uh, you're on an island full of ghosts and you help them with their with their problems and uh, you also build up your own campsite and and go harvesting like cutting down trees harvesting uh, digging up piles of dirt looking for treasure all that jazz go fishing um it's a and
0: I like that it respects my time, time. because you get yeah.
1: yeah. You can only do so much in a day. And I mean like a real life, real hours day. It'll
0: tell you. It's optimized for one or two hours a day a uh, day, and that's it. Anything mm-hmm. else is not gonna you know what it reminds me of? It's sort of like a brighter, more cheerful version of um, don't starve. Yeah.
1: Um or a slightly somber and less and less grindy version of Animal Crossing. <laughs> Um, I really like Cozy Grove. It was it hit me in an interesting way earlier this year, and I think it's one of my. It became one of my favorite indies of the entire year.
2: I'm, I wanted to mention on the best casual game. I thought Chuchura Tale was the best casual game, and then Mar and No Mario Party should be considered a casual game. <laughs> and how stressful those things are. Well, it's.
0: Um, you can have some hardcore casuals, I guess. Is is Mario Party Superstars really stressful for you? It is.
1: It's stressful for everybody. It will make you less friends with your friends by the <laughs> end of it. It sounds like overcooked. <laughs> Best remake remaster. Alan Wake Remastered, Diablo 2 Resurrected, The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, Mass Effect Legendary Edition and Mist.
0: And the winner is well, it, Diablo 2 Resurrected. Hold mm. on. <laughs> you, you, you sound dubious.
1: Um, Diablo 2 Resurrected is a good remake of that old of that old system. I just uh, man, Activision Blizzard sucks these days. I hate them.
0: Well, <laughs> or, is that rather, the only I, reason why? <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, like. Diablo Diablo is the franchise that's kind of like... They basically scrapped all of Vicarious Visions to work on Diablo now, and I don't like that.
0: Well, at least they did a really good job. I, uh,
1: I can't deny that. I cannot. They did a very good job of putting Diablo 2 back together and updating it in a meaningful way. Um, a lot of uh, quality of life of life improvements and the ability to switch back and forth between the quality of life improvements and the old game. Um, it's uh, it is what it is.
0: I want to talk about Mist for a moment, and it's interesting for those of you kiddies who don't know what Mist is. It was one of the early CD adventure games, and it was quote unquote in quote unquote 3D, but it wasn't wasn't really. Basically, it was a slideshow, and when you uh, moved. They would just move to it. They would just morph it to a different slide. You know um, what they did with Mist 2021 is they turned it into an actual 3D game. So now it really is a 3D game, a 3D first-person game.
1: Yeah, you're not having to just bounce around between different scenes anymore. Um, I really think they. I played. I played a a good chunk of Mist, and like. They do leave a lot of the the elements of what made it good intact, I will say. It's uh, I I kind of miss the FMV uh, versions of like the the characters and the books.
0: Well, you can you can you can I think you can still buy the original Mist on on Steam along with Seventh Guest and Eleventh Hour. Ah. Um.
1: Well, that's good to know. Um, but the but I do think that like having the ability to look around that world more, and uh, actually like not be confined to just select visions of all of it is pretty neat.
0: Yeah, here's the thing. You know, the original Mist was very entrancing to people because of the music by Jack Wall, who would later do Mass Effect, and the scenery. But now you have the music and actual scenery and Actually standing there and actually feeling like you're there and not just looking at a pretty book, a pretty picture book. Yes,
1: you're actually in that world. You're actually in that world, engaging with things like
0: tag lever t- t- and button puzzle.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, I kind of wish they'd made a VR version of that too.
0: Oh, please trust trust me. That that that's that. If that isn't coming soon, it, it'll come because there's yeah. no way they're not going to do that. Yeah. Um I'm going to guess bit. that that Scott would pick The Great Ace Attorney Chronicles.
2: I'm not really interested in any remake or remasters. Um really? so not none of them. Not even Mist? Cuz I know you liked Mist. Yeah, I I hate the whole concept of The Great Ace Attorney. I don't like really? that they're using Sherlock Holmes. It's you don't? obnoxious. <laughs> and I don't like it. <laughs> He's uh, been a yeah, public domain character feels forever. Overrated. Uh, Mass Effect is done. Mist is like, oh my god, stop it. And, I mean, maybe Alan Wake. Alan Wake is the only one that doesn't feel like it's run into the ground. Well, uh, here's the thing. For I, one thing, but, it, Alan yeah. Wake
0: made its debut on PlayStation, and it's generated a lot of inter- interest in Alan Wake 2. I mean, that's why it was made. I mean, that's why um, Microsoft re-released a, a Alan Wake American Nightmare on Game Pass.
1: I will say this. And this is probably this is probably what makes Mass Effect my pick. Um, they made the first game playable to me. <laughs> I hated dragging my feet through the first game as it previously was, and they and they the 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 improvements they made to the Mako, the improvements they made to the shooting it made that game less of a drag and uh, i and i, I appreciate right. that because i like the i think the first mass effect game story is better than 2 and 3 i think it i think it is and you're entitled the, to your
0: opinion there
1: well and i think that the fact of the matter is like i like playing the story of mass effect 1 i hate playing the game
0: that sounds like me in Dragon Age Inquisition. I love, love, love the story, but that game was just a drag mm-hmm. to play it. I mean, at least in Dragon Age 2, I could do a cheat codes and have everybody die on the screen except for me. There were no, there were no cheat codes in Mass Effect Inquisition. Anyways, we're going to move on to the next one. This is a, a category that I know that DJ interested in. Best fighting game. We have Guilty Gear Strive, Melty Blood Type Lumina, Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, Persona 5 Strikers and Samurai Gun 2, and the winner is Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. I am kidding. <laughs> you just, you just picture TJ's blood blood pressure going skyrocketing if I said that. Well, obviously it's Guilty Gear Strive. <laughs> yeah, there was no there I'm was like... no competition here. Melty Blood is the closest thing to, I was about uh, to, ask to a you, competing
1: uh, fighting game that came so, out this year.
0: This is a game that I only learned about in the last few weeks. What do you, what, can, what do you can tell us about Melty Blood here?
1: Melty Blood is a very, very, very uh, uh, cult classic franchise that came out of a uh, – d- okay, it's a, it's it came out of a visual novel. And I'm a little fuzzy on the details. I I've heard that there uh that <laughs> I've heard that it might be considered an erotic visual novel. But uh,
0: <laughs> well at but least I, it isn't. Uh, what was the name of that uh, that game? BMX XXX or or what was that? Or any of the Dead or Alive games with boobs?
1: Yeah, it's not that particularly uh graphic, but. It is uh, it is a franchise based in a very cult classic uh, 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 in a very cult classic setting. There, are, but the fact of the matter is, the new game it is incredibly well balanced as far as like its its characters, its its fighting, its uh, mechanics. It's a very interesting. It, it is a fighting game made for very specifically its fighting game fans. Um, it's. And it's really fun to watch, too. Like, the game is gorgeous. I think uh, Melty Blood would be the top pick and, like, a breakout pick in, in this year if Guilty Gear Strive hadn't come out. Guilty Gear Strive changed the genre. Yeah. They Not only is it a visually stunning and amazing and impeccable game as far as, like, the character designs, the animations, the backgrounds, the stages, the music, all of that is top tier. But it was the netcode that they poured all that effort into that made it just like a genre-defining game. Because ever since Guilty Gear Strive came out and put in rollback netcode that makes online play basically as crisp as can be, nobody has uh, done a different style... Nobody is. De- they changed the conversation around the game. Nobody does delay-based netcode, which was what things like, uh, which is what old games have been running on, and is not optimal for online play. And, and as you
0: I- say, that a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, Mario uh, players are looking side eye at Nintendo over that. Yeah, Nintendo is
1: the worst offender when it comes to netcode, and it's even more offensive because they have games like Splatoon where the netcode works quite well. Um. But, like, ever since Guilty Gear Strive came out, every new fighting game that has been announced after it, one of the, it either They're announces... they talking about
0: the netcode, right? Th- they
1: either announce that it's going to have rollback netcode right from the get-go, or it's one of the conversations that comes up frequently among the community is, is this going to have rollback? Guilty Gear did that. They, they gave us the best netcode that a fighting game has had, I think, ever and nobody wants to go back to the old ways anymore. No, not developers, not players. I think that if you send out a game anymore with delay-based netcode, it's probably going to be dead on arrival. Or at least you're going to have a very vocal audience that are going to say, why would you do this? Hmm. Um, Guilty Gear so, is, ama- is amazing on every level, and it deserves this for more than just like the fighting game. I think it's a top-tier game in general this year.
0: So um, the game that I would actually play to play... Would probably be Samurai Gun 2 because it's sort of the Duck Game sort of a uh, uh, type of game, you know, very uh, non serious, very 16 bit, you know, just basically Duck Game, which is which itself is uh, Super Smash Brothers, um, but you know, very cartoony and very low bit. But that's just me, you know. It's it's the sort of game that you just have fun. It's not the game that where you're trying to, uh, and it isn't as cloying as Nickelodeon All Star Brawl. Which one are you looking at? Hold on, Samurai Gun 2. Oh
1: come on. Oh yeah, that game is great. I really enjoy it. It's uh, the fact that like it only takes one hit to kill any given character at any given time exactly. makes it feel that much
0: more intense. Like I said, it's like Duck Game except with slightly larger uh, what's it called uh, levels to play on.
1: Mm-hmm. And like clanking off of each other is really like. It, it'll get your it'll it'll get your heart beating. i uh, I, I really think they did a good job of uh, of upping the their design in samurai gun 2. The whole thing feels extremely smooth, extremely fun. Um, and I also like that they added a single player adventure mode in this one because like maybe you don't want to play with uh, a whole bunch of maybe you don't have a bunch of people to play with at all times. They actually put an adventure mode in this game so you can actually just go through a, a little journey of your own.
0: We're going to move on to Best Adventure Game. Uh, Go ahead, TJ. Best Adventure Game. Bonfire Peaks.
1: Nosia, Life is Strange True Colors. Overboard. Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1.
0: And the winner is... Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1, which I know is a bit of an upset because Life is Strange True Colors is the big adventure game of the year, but... Sherlock Holmes Chapter 1 is just simply the better game. Um, And... As we all know, Frogwares really knows its Sherlock, um, <laughs> and like their their method of doing detective work is still top notch. You know? Yes, they
1: introduce a great deal of cool tools as far as just like uh, investigative uh, investigative mechanics go. I uh, I really liked putting the crime scenes together in Sherlock. I really liked uh, figuring out the evidence. I really liked the mind palace, where like you put those things together and figure out and, and like d- make it a deduction based on how you think the crime went. Um, and I really like that they provide enough clues in certain situations that two equally plausible possibilities are available, and like there's there's branching narrative based off of that, based off of how you decide. What you decide is the more legitimate outcome of that crime. I was absolutely surprised to see Sherlock be this good. Like I guess I shouldn't have because Frogwares, again, like you said, has been doing this for years. And
0: they also did the Sinking
1: City. But they also took a trope from their older games that people made into a meme.
0: Yeah, the creepy, the creepy, <laughs> creepy Wa- Watson. The cre-
1: and uh, they turned it into an entire mechanic in the form of uh, this character named John, who follows Sherlock around. And he's a ghost. Uh, he is, yeah. He's like a figment of Sherlock's imagination. And that's oh, by the way, we should
0: we should actually say uh, one other thing is that this is a young Sherlock Holmes.
1: Yes, and um, and that's not a spoiler because it's, it's in the entire game mechanic. Yeah. And so he'll just appear at different parts of the world to interact with Sherlock and sort of bounce. He's like a he's like a funny little foil for Sherlock to bounce his thoughts off of. But he also sounds crazy at times because other people can hear Sherlock talking, but it's a one-sided conversation.
0: Sort of like uh, the Joker in Batman Arkham Knight.
1: Exactly. Um, I really like John as a mechanic in this game, and I really like that they took the creepy Watson uh, thing and turned it into a very sensibly written side to uh, Sherlock Holmes Chapter One.
0: So one of the games that I would urge you to check out is Overboard. It is basically reverse Who Done It, and not a How Catch Him. Uh, you actually play the murderer, and you have to deduce a way. To make the Hercule type of character, who's actually a guy in a turban, um, not peg you as the murderer. And it's sort of – it also has a time loop sort of stuff. Like every time you play, you learn more and more stuff about characters and their motivations. And I would strongly urge you just to even check it out because once you see the gameplay and the, and, and the gameplay that's involved – You'll say, "Oh, that's really cool! I don't know why anybody didn't think of that uh, before."
1: Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Know, I don't know much about Overboard.
0: Overboard looks fun. Like I said, uh, you're you're playing a murderer and you're trying to get away with it, so you have to manipulate things so that uh, the 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 great detective, the Poirot character, chooses someone else as the murderer. Nice. That sounds re-
1: that sounds really enjoyable. Um, Nocia is also one that's pretty interesting. Uh, this is a game in which uh, it's got it it it's got a Blade Runner game vibe to it. Um, there is a am I still here? Uh, hello, yeah, you're here. We hear you. Um, Nosea is built as this game in which you need to there's a there's a alien imposter among your among a crew of people, and they're all interesting characters. They all have very interesting narratives for you to explore. It's a single-player game, but it's built... Kind of, it's, a, it's, I mean, a, it's a
0: social deduction game, except you're the only player who's deducting.
1: Yes, and every single game, every single time that they swap you uh, yeah. start so the game, a different character might be the nosia, and it includes you. You could be the nosia. Yeah. and in which case you need to figure out how to kill all of the other characters. Um and as far as like a narrative game goes Blade Runner the game is the only other th- game that I can think of that did this in a single player setting and made That's it work That's
0: from 1997 by Westwood Yeah so I think Nosia
1: is a real interesting experiment and narrative design and also like a good nod to that classic sort of like that element of Blade Runner where you don't know who's going to be it
0: bonfire peaks is is just reminds me too much of Catherine in a way because you're doing that block building thing just uh, Catherine just freaked me out it just just has that
2: category of best sports games is f1 2021 football manager 2022 Forza Horizon 5, MLB The Show 21, Out of the Park Baseball 2022. Okay, and I think you probably know already it's going to be Forza
0: Horizon 5. But I will say F1 2021 is is almost as good. It is a surprisingly good uh, racer as well, and I have to say there weren't many good sports games this year to pick from.
1: Yeah, um, there were a handful that I would have ne- that I wouldn't have even that probably wouldn't have even been considered on this list, but even then, Forza Horizon Five stands over those things like hand and foot. F one, Madden, all those things have been kind of floundering for years. Uh, MLB The Show is great, but the bigger but the bigger part of it is that it was just more the show and they and the bigger part of it was also that they got it over to Xbox and made it crossplay.
0: The only problem what, is Road to the Show was dismantled, which was depressing. Yeah.
1: But I think like this is the building block and foundation for a better MLB The Show 22. Now that you have that sort of cross-platform crossplay play uh, ecosystem for this game. I'm excited to see I'm more excited to see what they do with MLB The Show 22.
0: I will uh, notice, um, you know, a game was not nominated, was NBA 2K21, as people have started to turn on it. Yeah,
1: yeah, and rightfully so, because, like, they, the, the, the the three big ones, like F1, Madden, and NBA 2K, they have been, like, they've been doing those games dirty. They've gotten lazy <laughs> with them to try to meet this whole
0: once-a-year once thing. Oh, don't worry. When we get to worst games, there's a there's another sports game that was done even dirtier, which I know depresses you. But that's for later. But is it funny to say that like I've been enamored with the indies that
1: have come out this year that fill the, that have filled the sports gaps? Yeah.
0: Um Well, out of the park baseball 22 is always that 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 series has always been out there, and it's always been the premier baseball sim, text baseball sim for those you don't know. But that's always been an indie title, really. Mm-hmm um dodgeball academia was
1: uh was an interesting one this year yeah i was i didn't know if that was a sports game or an rpg it's sort of it's a sports game and an rpg in the same way that go-
0: it's very that similar boxing to golf, sto- uh, golf no, story and also oh what was the name of that boxing game again uh, um, that boxing rpg i know what you're talking about
1: it's less like that and much more like golf story but that that is pretty close to like the idea is that you have this story that's going on and you have your characters, but you also play dodgeball and the <laughs> dodgeball and but the you also alpha, play dodgeball. <laughs> the dodgeball aspect of it is built very much like the old Super Dodgeball on Nintendo from back in the day. Yeah. And I like that in the way that I I loved that game, so I really liked this game. It's it's got everything I would want, including like you have regular shots. Uh, catching charge shots that make the that make crazy things happen. Uh, once your characters get knocked out, they go to the back end of the uh, of the uh, opposing team's uh, field, so you can pass to them and try to trick your opponents and hit them from the back. Um, it's a it's it's a well crafted version of like the Super Dodgeball with an RPG attached that makes me think of Golf Story, and I loved everything about that. Um, the other one was Legend Bull, which is a top down uh non-licensed uh, American football game that uh it makes me think of like a pixelated NFL Blitz
0: or maybe Tecmo Bowl.
1: Kind of Tecmo Bowl too, but like, but again, it's it's top down, up and down uh, football.
0: Okay.
1: Um, it is very fun. It is very cool. I just Tecmo it, Bowl
0: was top down.
1: It is, but it's side, but it's side to side. Oh, okay. Um. But Legend Bowl, like, it, you can you can uh, play just, like, Exhibition and, like – but you can also – because every team is unlicensed, you can design entire teams, and you can design uh, the players for the teams, including, like, coaches, QBs, all that jazz. It's got a very fun tournament mode. It's got a league mode. Uh, it doesn't have proper online play yet, but it does have, like it, – it does support Steam Couch Co-op. Um, I, I really enjoyed the Heck Out of Legend Bull a lot this year. It was, it was the best football game by far, because there is no good football games because of EA right now.
0: Okay, so let's move on. Uh, you take the next one, TJ. Best action or platform game? Hitman 3. It takes
1: two. Kena, Bridge of Spirits. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Returnal.
0: And the winner is... Hitman 3. So no. why Hitman 3? Well, here's the thing, and you probably know this already. The game is really dense, and there's so many ways to replay it, and there's just so much fun to find out different ways. And it gives, it tells you, 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 like, yeah, you can just go in there and just shoot, right? Or you can try the most arcane, most elaborate assassination possible, using food, using items, using all that, and then... All of the uh, the Seven Deadly Sins DLC just up that as well, and I know you really you were really looking forward to all that DLC for Hitman 3.
1: Yeah, they uh, they did a great job at supporting that game throughout the year with both free content and DLC. Um, I really love Hitman 3 a lot, like I I really do. That's a it takes two is like. That game is that game is popery, right? It's <laughs> it's it's a lot of different they every area you go through has like a different control scheme, a different gimmick and they all work pretty dang well.
0: Yeah, that uh, I know it takes Two does come up with different genres to play in that game. It's not just a platform game.
1: Yeah. And uh, it's uh, yeah. I I think it was a vi- like just variety abound in that game, and I think it played very well from for for what I could see, it played very well from beginning to end.
0: Um, I just think that the variety in Hitman Three, and also the meta gaming of setting up assassinations for to tell your friends, hey, can you do this? Mm-hmm. Sort of put it over the top. Kida is another one where like I've heard a lot
1: of good things about the way it looks, and I've heard a lot of good things about the way it plays. But I or, or, no, I've I've heard a lot of good things about the story but the I've heard it has quite a few issues with the way it plays. Okay.
2: I think uh, It Takes Two was probably the better platform to me because you had the unique ability for each character to have, and you had to use those two abilities in, in, in tangent to figure out puzzles, and they changed it every single level and area. They got new abilities, So I thought that was really interesting, Um, and the Marvel Guardians had uh, uh, path choices, dialogue choices, so that would change what you did or how you approached a certain puzzle.
0: Yeah, it was basically it was basically a really high action Telltale game, to tell you the truth, because it it felt like someone looked at Telltale and said, you know what, we're gonna turn this into a rip roaring action comedy. Which, you know, now that I think about it, they could have done that with Tales from the Borderlands. Anyways, uh, we're going to move on to the next category. Best FPS game. We have Back for Blood, Deathloop, Halo Infinite, Lemus Gate, and World War Z Aftermath. And the winner is... Halo Infinite. And I'm going to tell you something. I would have believed that Deathloop would have won when Deathloop came out, but Halo—we uh, did not—we have not talked about Halo Infinite's gameplay mechanics at all, and I think the Grapple Shot changed everything for people. They finally made a good
1: Halo game. Three Four Three did,
0: <laughs> and hey. I think—and I think that was a, a big
1: shocker because. Everybody I know was like earlier earlier this year, everybody I know was like ready for this game to flop. It didn't look good. It didn't it like it was just bad signs are bound. And I you think know, it, you should give Microsoft
0: it, credit because what they said was last year they said, you know what? No one's gonna be able to buy an Xbox Series X or X right now. So three four three go work on that game another year. And polish the shit out of it. And I think, like, to 343's
1: credit, I think if they'd blown this, they might have been... The Halo series might have been benched for quite a while.
0: No, I think they would have just handed it to someone like Arcane and say, Okay, Arcane, let's see what you can do with it.
1: Yeah, so there was a lot riding on this for 343. I have been unimpressed with uh, everything they've done with the Halo series since they took it over. Um, this was astoundingly... Competent.
0: They're still working on it because um they've been listening to people's complaints about the multiplayer, some slight complaints, and they said, you know what, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna work on that. Right now they're they're on their vacation, and but when they come back, they're gonna Because that's the other thing, as someone who's who's very well versed in esports, Microsoft really wants to make Halo a player in esports again. Because Halo two, nothing, nothing, nothing competed with Halo Two. Not it wasn't even close. Not Battlefield, not – and I'm talking about PC games. All those games could not compete with Halo 2. Halo 2 – Halo just dropped further and further behind in terms of online multiplayer. And I think Microsoft is in Ubisoft mode with Rainbow Six Siege and that they want to keep – they're saying, get this right. And oh, by the way, I know you complain about the shotgun, but – the Mangler is basically the shotgun now.
1: Yes, thank God for other guns in, in Halo because the shotgun
0: sucks so much. Um, <laughs> and the Hydra too. I mean, the Hydra uh, has a little mini, but the Hydra feels more like a shotgun than it does a missile launcher.
1: I uh, I like the shock rifle the most. Oh, yeah. Being able to being able to Tesla coil someone in the brain from half a <laughs> ma- from half the map away is my favorite new toy.
0: And oh, by the way, uh, isn't that little clicky here when you kill someone for off the sweetest thing you'll ever hear? mm mm-hmm. Mhm. And uh, the
1: fact that the, t- the the shock rifle arcs to other to yeah. other uh, players, so if you ac- so if by chance you get a double kill and you hear tick tick tick, it's so good.
0: Here's the thing: um, if you max out your shield, um, it makes everything you do have a shock rifle. So the shock rifle becomes double shock rifle if you fire through it. And I I learned very quickly to get the shield up, then click to the grapple hook, and then quickly do a uh, that sensor thing that shows you, uh, you know, where the invisible characters are. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't know why, but invisible elites became harder.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But, like, single player and multiplayer... Three Four Three finally did it. They finally made a good Halo game. Like they they made it satisfying to play. They made a good story to go with it. But like the the important thing is that they made it satisfying to play. They and yes, we are looking at an incomplete project where like they have co-op later on,
0: (laughs) and and they have the
1: forge, but. For what we have in this in this campaign and multiplayer package. A multiplayer that's free to play, by the way. You don't have to buy anything to get into Halo multiplayer, which is just m- mind-blowing for a, to have for a Halo game. Well, a game.
0: lot of people didn't pay for the single player either, because it's on Game Pass. Um, so, like, that is a
1: incredibly generous offering from Microsoft.
0: It's more but, mind-blowing for me for Halo to be on Steam. Oh, yeah. Which... I'm delighted to have. I would actually
1: rather pay for my for Halo single player than have to go through the m- layers upon layers of Xbox PC launchers. I hate dealing with uh, with Microsoft's uh, game ecosystem really? on uh, on PC.
0: I find that hard to believe. Um, let's talk about Back for Blood. Um, Back for Blood didn't grab me like Le- the original Left for Dead did. It's a good game but I don't know the live service just rubs me the wrong way a bit on it
1: yeah yeah I can see that like I think it's a lot of I think there's a lot of cool ideas in there as far as like I like the card system and I like the different characters having their own special perks but I think that the game has more growing to do over the course of the next year before it's really really before it really comes
0: into its own that's like Lemisgate it tried something new it tried that mm-hmm. time that time travel mechanic. Which is a very interesting thing for a first-person shooter to do. It's sort of like they said, we're going to take Halo or we're going to take Braid and mix them together and see what we got. Yeah. Lemniskate is –
1: everyone I've talked to about Limnusgate claims it's one of the most criminally underrated and overlooked games that has come out in a while. It's an interesting concept. Like you, you, the concept is that you you have you, it's a one on one game with another player, and you both have a time loop where you send out a where you where you choose a class,
0: you go out you you engage the other player. You, you engage and, the environment too. You I mean you can shoot out stuff as well, but you only have a short period of time. What is it? Thirty seconds? 50, something like that. Yeah.
1: And so after that. You go back to your to your spawn portal and you pick another class and you send them out there and you try to either defend your player or defend your soldier or or like in your previous, or coordinate with them. Yeah. Your previous loop goes out and does exactly what you did, and so you need to either counter your enemy's uh, play or defend yourself or just. It's odd. It's a very odd concept, but it's also with very like- cool.
0: Ten versions of yourself all doing different stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And you can sabotage yourself, too. Like, if you walk in front of your rocket launcher guy, you can blow yourself up and end that loop.
0: Let's move on to the next item. Uh- all right. Best
1: RPG. Fuga, Melodies of Steel. Pathfinder, Wrath of the Righteous. Scarlet Nexus. Shin Megami Tensei Five, Tales of Arise.
0: Yes, and the winner is... I think you'll be surprised by this one. Fuga, Melodies of Steel. Ah, I know I which to... is your answer is the path, Pathfinder, right, a path, Wrath of the Righteous.
1: Absolutely. It would. I would have been a, like Pathfinder and Tales of Arise have been very good and very different re, for di, very different reasons for me.
0: Um, Fuga has been getting raves from everybody though, and it's yeah, and it sounds
1: like I need to check it out because it looks like everything that would be up my alley. Yes. <laughs>
0: And like I said, it is not a fun tale in terms of this is not exactly one of those hooray hooray games you know that you normally find from that genre. No, things can get dour. Mm-hmm. So, um, tell us about Pathfinder: Wrath of the Rages, which is, I think believe is the sequel to Pathfinder: Kingmaker. Yes,
1: um, it's a it's a D and D based.
0: Uh, uh, CRPG oh, uh, I it, 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 It's skin d and it's wearing, a, uh, wearing D&D as a skin suit uh,
1: It's top down um, That game has One of the best character creators I've ever seen in an RPG You can make Almost anything in there and play The game completely different Based on like multiple Times over depending on what you choose
0: Hey, you know, uh, when I was writing for Game, uh, Game Watcher, um, they had me doing mods, and some of the mods they had for Pathfinder uh, Kingmaker were hilarious. Like, they had one for uh, for Terry Crews and another one for Commander Shepard. So it's also moddable to have any sort of character you want in there, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like,
1: I ended up making a – so, like, you have a choice of race, you have a choice of class, of which there are, like – they're, like, your normal core classes, but then there are, like, tons
0: of subclasses. Yeah, like, of you have your...
1: Dungeons you & Dragons
0: 2nd edition level.
1: Yeah. Like, I, I, may, I like a thief. I like a rogue. But I made a rogue that was specifically in tune to, like, spirits. They're capable of using, like, witch spells. Um, and so it's... I forget. I forget exactly what the name of the class is, but it's but it's essentially a magic thief. Um, and then uh, you have uh, your alignment, which can run from like the the usual table of chaotic good, chaotic evil, chaotic neutral, lawful, uh, and all that jazz. Um, you have a choice of like character perks, like is your character adventurous? Which would cause them to like gain more treasure from things, or are they like, are they a pyromaniac, which would <laughs> cause them to delight in fire spells, but also take uh, and also take less damage from them, or are they unlucky, which causes your rolls to like do, thi- and you have stuff like that, and then you have beliefs and gods, which yeah. you can choose to be atheist or you can choose to adhere to like the beliefs in a certain and a certain deity in the game.
0: Yeah, they just took Pathfinder Kingmaker and just doubled it in every way. Just just fattened it like a Christmas turkey.
1: And I'm not going to go too much longer, but that's all choices you make before you even start the game. The game's narrative itself is a very, very interesting tapestry of like, hell is basically opening up and you need to either f- e- and you e- either need to stop it or, or find a way it. to take control and rule it. And uh, it's... Oh, you forgot to mention, t- yeah, you also have an alignment too. Uh-huh. And uh, there's all sorts of characters you meet that have their own alignments that have their own like likes and dislikes that will play into the na- narrative dialogue. You make your narrative choices. the world responds to you and those co- and there are consequences that happen well down the line and stay intact based off of what you choose. You know what?
0: I, it just makes me wonder, you know I wonder if Baldur's Gate 3 and the Pathfinder series are, are feeding off each other, seeing what the other one is doing and saying, yeah, we should do that too.
1: Yes, I can see that totally, because I feel like they're very, very, very similar games. Um, I really enjoy everything they did with Pathfinder, and it makes me even more excited to see how uh, Baldur's Gate ups the game in uh, 2022.
0: So here's the thing. Uh, Fuga winning is sort of an upset, because um, I'm going to say this right now. Tales of Arise is getting the best reviews ever in that series, and that has been a very long series.
1: Yes, um, it's an action RPG. When you get in, when you get into battles, you have up to four party members that uh, that will be in the fight. Like basically, and there is it's not turn based. You basically run up to enemies, do sword attacks, do uh, do different techniques and skills, while your casters will kind of sit in the back and cast spells to either heal you or do magic damage. Um, in very very many ways, it reminds me of all of the reasons I like Star Ocean, which there hasn't been a good Star Ocean game in a very in years, and it's this game is a very focused narrative. It's it's uh, basically like you have this planet of people and another planet. Uh, <laughs> it's like a mobile planet, basically came and invaded to steal the magic energy oh, from this what? planet and turn them, and no, turn them you- into now you make me think of
0: Omicron 1
1: I mean they basically come down and steal the energy from the people and turn them into slaves and then form this contest in which whoever can amass the most energy from the slaves can become the ruler or whatever <laughs> and uh, the story is like this re- this group of people form a rebellion and fight back against the, the people trying to s- s- steal energy from the planet um, it's a very focused narrative, but the characters are pretty enjoyable and the, f- and the gameplay grind is actually quite fun. I, uh, I really enjoyed Tales of Arise quite a lot. That's the game I've been playing over my entire winter break.
0: I should also point out, the other two games are also Japanese as fuck. Uh, Scarlet Nexus is the most anime game that ever animated. Yep. Yep. I hear
1: a lot of good things about it though, and I haven't tried it yet. I would like to. I'll probably make it a... If I have free time in the coming year, I'm probably going to make time to get into that at some point.
0: Yeah, and Shin Megami Tensei... Tensei, You know, here's the thing. It is Persona without any of the charm. It literally is Persona, by the way. Persona came from Shin Megami Tensei. Persona just did everything that Shin Megami Tensei does and does it right and makes it... Shin Megami Tensei is just for hardcore people who like punishment
1: yeah i agree with that and (laughs) it's Shin megami tensei is like persona's much meaner
0: older brother (laughs) basically yes
1: (laughs) that game has no time for it has no time for your questions
0: it has no time Uh, for you to go and have homework what is all this life sim crap get that out of here (laughs) <laughs> it
1: has no time for your questions or your weakness. You better get good, and uh, you, you better, better do grind it fast. like
2: it's, you better grind like there's no tomorrow. On the RPG category, uh, for me would be Legend of Heroes: Cold Steel 4, because I was so addicted to just finishing the story of this epic journey that I've been on with all of the trials games. So it just you know continues that story. And I was very hooked into finishing it. Let me ask uh, so you a question.
0: Is Cold Steel 4 the last of that of that arc plot arc?
2: It's the last one of the Erebonian story arc. The next one is Reverie, which goes back to Crossbell. And then after that is the Kuro games, which will be in Calvard Republic. So they have a new story arc with every uh, different series of games within that series. Uh, But they, you know, the same world, and they'll, I guess, flow. They'll have references to various characters, but they do have their own story arc. We're going to move forward to the
1: next category. Best strategy game, Age of Empires 4, Evil Genius 2, World Domination, Jurassic World Evolution 2, King's Bounty 2, Wildermyth.
0: And the winner is... (laughs) Jurassic World Evolution 2, which is I uh, if if you had told me this at the beginning of the year, I would have been surprised too. Yeah,
1: I uh, I think that's a great concept in and of itself, and I think it's especially made better by the fact that they actually have worked with the original stars to bring uh, to bring more life to the stories of that game.
0: And they also improved the uh, from the original game because the original game wasn't that hard at all. And it was- <laughs> The the dinosaur DNA like
1: creation system, too, is just ridiculously chaotic and fun. <laughs> the the idea of making a pterodactyl with a Tyrannosaurus head is just <laughs>
0: bizarre and hilarious. <laughs> so, at the beginning of the year, I would have thought Age of Empires is going to be fantastic, and it is very good. It just hasn't grabbed me like previous Age of Empires games. And Evil Genius 2... I hate to say this, but it became sort of like a – it became a slog to play. Mm. I mean when you start off the game, it's like, yeah, yeah, but that game just weighs you down and becomes not fun. And then you find out no matter what, your evil genius is going to wreck whatever attacks the base anyway, even if they wreck everything else. They come against your evil genius and they bang, you're dead, and it's like, oh, wait, all of that was a waste of time.
1: I still enjoyed Evil Genius 2 probably more than any of these other picks – just because I love that the concept. Theme? Yeah, the theme yes. is great. Yeah. Um and then just the how they expanded with the uh with the schemes that you can do inside and outside of your base. I like the henchmen too. The the specialized henchmen that you can make part of your board and then uh decide whether or not you want to destroy them if they F up. Everything about that style, everything about the concept of Evil Genius is just silly and fun. And I know it. Does, I agree with you. The late game, the late game needs needed extra work. Um, but I enjoy like the I enjoy the journey to the late game, and I really enjoy how they sort of upped the. Uh, I enjoy how they upped the fun and and uh, and concepts that they introduced in the first Evil Genius.
0: Yeah. I mean, if I was to pick a game for me that I would really want to play, and that's King's Bounty 2, because Heroes of Might and Magic has always been my ship. And that's basically what King's Bounty is. Because for those who don't know, uh, Heroes of Might and Magic, the first Heroes of Might and Magic, was actually a sequel to King's Bounty. And I always enjoyed doing that. Wander around the map, pick up the resources, build up your troops, and then just have your armies fight against each other.
1: Yeah. Have you played Wildermyth? I have no idea. I, I don't know anything about this game.
0: <laughs> so, um, oh, how do I put this? It has a lot of RPG elements, but it's more of a strategy game in which you're on a board. And it's basically conquer, uh, conquer regions sort of thing. Mm. It's a tactical strategy game, but it's, uh, it's tough to describe. It's more strategy than it is RPG. It's like King's Bounty 2. And yeah. um, if you look at if you look at people's react, they love this game. It is uh, it is already a cult hit.
2: Uh, best Switch game, Death Store, Ender Lilies, Quietus of the Nights, Metroid Dread, Monster Hunter Rise, Shin Megami Tensei 5. And the winner is.
0: Um, I'm pretty sure you can guess it's Metroid Dread because that far outstripped every other switch game this year.
2: That yeah, we absolutely needed a metroid game and they delivered. You got hunted by these robots and had to figure out how to defeat them and you, you know, you got to explore and do all the things you would do in metroid and listen to the music and just you know, get lost in another uh, Samus Aran adventure.
1: Yeah, this when I started up Metroid Dread and like it did that thing where you're looking out into the depths of space and then the, and then the title screen and then the title like fades in and you get that start button. It like, and then they find, and then they go right into like that recap of last time on. I got a little misty eyed because that is an entire aesthetic that is very signature to this franchise. And,
0: uh, well, the well, the thing is that this game actually lived up to that that title of dread.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh, and then there's the fact that like it's a very, it's a very smooth running game. Like Mercury Steam, Mercury Steam has a good handle on how to do Nintendo platformers. Um, they handled the uh, the criminally underplayed and underrated. Uh, Metroid: Samus Returns remake on the late cycle of the of the Nintendo DS. So the fact that they got another chance from Nintendo to make this is very cool to me. Um, it's the it's the highest selling Metroid game in the series by far. It's a love letter to the fans that have stuck with it. It's not an it's not an easy Nintendo game. It's actually one of the hard. It's actually a super hard game to beat. Um, not the least for which are the Emmys that that hunt you around different sections of the game and kill you instantly if you don't counter them. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a wonderful game all around. Monster Hunter Rise was a super high contender earlier this year, and I really think they did a... I think Capcom did an amazing job of fitting that much Monster Hunter and that much quality into a Nintendo Switch game.
0: Yeah, but they made the mistake of releasing it the same year as Metroid Dread.
1: Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, there's one other one that, like... There's a game that's, like... it's For every reason that it was expanded, I should love it more than anything else. But I kind of want to see more. Uh, Super Mario 3D World plus, plus Bowser's Fury... I love that concept. I love the idea that you're that you're trying to gain and an amass power, and as uh, this this sinister threat that is like this angry ass Bowser is just looming in the background, and he has he will randomly wake up and just make your life harder. Um, I love that concept. What I want is for that to be expanded into a multi-world, multi-level game. I, uh, I think it's great that they uh, put Super Mario 3D World on Switch, because I think that's a great game anyways, and I love the addition of Bowser's Fury, but I want like a whole game that's just Bowser's Fury.
0: Some games that didn't make it, which could have easily been in the nominated list, like Bravely Default 2 came out this year, No More Heroes 3 was also a game that came out this year, and both of them were really popular but didn't quite make the list and by the way there's one game that came out this year which i was shocked that i had to leave off completely from every category and that's little nightmares 2, which did not get a nomination for anything and it easily could have
1: yeah it uh that was a that was an impressively stark and and disturbing little, <laughs> little platformer i uh I'm glad it finally came out, and I, I think it's a fun. I think it's a very interesting game. I just think that that like out of the games that we have here, you know, like outside of Metroid Dread and Bowser's Fury, it was actually kind of a weak year for Nintendo's first party titles.
0: Actually, it was a pretty weak year for video gaming as a whole because basically everybody's pushed every pushed stuff to 2022 because they couldn't get it ready for this year. Yeah, it was, it was a fairly weak year. But it had some awesome games, obviously. But, like,
1: Nintendo had a lot of first party things that came out this year, and not all of them were great. Uh, WarioWare was okay. Uh, Mario Golf was the worst Mario Golf. The <laughs> Mario Golf uh, Super Rush was the worst Mario Golf game that's ever come out
0: in that franchise. Here's the thing, Nintendo um, listen, when you make a golf game, one of the core mechanics should not be having to run after your ball with a time limit. They made that Game
1: Builder Lab, which was an interesting concept, but like, not. It didn't really catch on all that much. I I I
0: think it's I think
1: I think Dreams did it better, to be honest.
0: I think think Dreams. I think it's because you had Super Mario Maker, and that sort of overshadowed any of the Make a Game games on the Switch.
1: Yeah, Super Mario Maker most certainly did it better, and I think Dreams is a better version of Games Builder Garage. Um. But, like, yeah, I think that outside of Metroid Dread and Bowser's Fury, like, Nintendo did have quite a few releases this game this year, and they just weren't all that great.
0: Anyways, um, we're going to move on to Best Xbox Series SX Game, and the nominees are Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, It Takes Two, Psychonauts Two, and Resident Evil Village. And the winner is. Halo Infinite, and if you had told me Halo Infinite would have been the Xbox Series X game of the year at the beginning of the year, I would have thought you were crazy. And here's the thing: even when X, even when Halo games are really really good, they the most of the impact they have is on the uh, on the multiplayer side, really. And mm-hmm. uh, this year, Halo Infinite managed to outshine some really tough competition. Because if I said that the Xbox Series X game of the year was Ports Horizon 5 or Psychonauts 2 or Resident Evil Village, you probably wouldn't have blinked. You said, yeah, that, that's about right. Mm-hmm. Now, like, once Halo
1: Infinite came out, once we finally uh, got a chance to play it, once we finally got a chance to dig into it, like, it, the the delays paid off, I have to admit. the uh, the The the, the Putting things in priority perspective paid off, and uh, it's pretty awesome. How uh, I mean, this is this is going to be like something that people are going to be playing for a pretty dang long time, well after the credits roll. Just oh, yeah, because they
0: have a Halo fractures and and there's additional content coming out, and I'm wondering if they're going to actually have a Halo Seven or if they're just going to add. Expansion on expansion on expansion, because the ending of Halo Infinite without giving anything away has three uh, three sequel hooks. The ending, the mid credits ending, and the post credits endings are all sequel hooks.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would have been I would have been all over Psychonauts two to win this if uh, if Halo Infinite hadn't been so dang good.
0: Hey Psychonauts, hey look, you know. <laughs> Tough choice between Halo Infinite and Psychonauts 2, because Psychonauts is that good, people. Mm-hmm. It is that good. Yeah, none of these games that are
1: listed here are bad. Every every one of them is a really, really, really good time. This And it's going to come up again in this next category.
0: Okay. Anyways, uh, go ahead with best, uh, best PlayStation 5 game, TJ. Best PlayStation
1: 5 game. Deathloop. Guilty Gear Strive. Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart.
0: Returnal. Tales of Arise, and the winner is Deathloop. And we know how you feel about Guilty Gear Strive, but for a lot uh, for a lot of people, it's Deathloop.
1: I mean, it was for me, it was either going to be Deathloop or Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, because Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is amazing, and it is a very good uh, demonstration of what the PlayStation Five can do.
0: Returnal got all the hype too this year for the PlayStation Five. Mhm. Um, like,
1: yeah, Deathloop is the full package. It's fun. It's uh, playable how you want. Be loud or be quiet. Uh, you you amass an awesome arsenal. The the characters that you go after are fun to are are very interesting. And then the banter between Juliana and Colt is just a constant companion to an already good experience. Um. That said, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, it's so much more than a tech demo for PlayStation 5. Well,
0: they, yeah, but let's. before we go on, it is a beautiful game.
1: Yeah, Insomniac, I don't know where Insomniac finds the time to do Spider-Man, Miles Morales, and work on this at the same time, and work on the next Spider-Man sequel, and work on Wolverine.
0: Well, Obsidian is working on the next uh, Outer Worlds game, <laughs> and working on Avowed, so... <laughs> A lot, of, and they're yeah. still working on grounded. I mean, a lot of these big co- uh, companies can multitask, apparently. Yeah,
1: but Insomniac is just putting out banger after banger after banger, and this is another one.
0: And you forgot and said, Overdrive. R-
1: yeah, and Ratchet and Clank Over- a Rift Apart was like being able to yank yourself between entire game worlds, and then the worlds being bustling and full of characters that are just all gorgeous. It's it's and the and like even if you're up close like it doesn't get any less gorgeous like the texture on the fur the texture of the colors the characters the shininess of the metal dang it's cool <laughs> it's it's just a, it's just dang cool to be in that world
0: i know a lot of people are going to be annoyed that Returnal didn't win because th- there's a lot of people who are ride or die with that game
1: rightfully so it's uh it's pretty dang good like i think uh housemark really Housemark really made an impact this year, and like this was a group that not many people knew about coming into the year, and now they're they're owned by PlayStation and inevitably going to be doing more PlayStation projects. And I'm really interested to see what what else they put together, whether it's more for Returnal or if they go after a new project, because they definitely earned their keep with Returnal. It's a it's a it's it's one part roguelike one part action platformer shooter one part bullet hell dodger <laughs> um and then like it's got an interesting weird like suspenseful and unsettling narrative to it as you as you explore this this uh this time loop of death.
0: And we move on to the best PC game. Uh, the nominees are Forza Horizon 5, Guilty Gear Strive, Halo Infinite, Hitman 3 And Psychonauts 2. And the winner is... Forza Horizon 5. And I think what pushed Forza Horizon 5 over the top is that while the game is gorgeous on a console, they said, if you have a PC, look what we can do with this. And you can just... You could have a crazy-looking game that is just... Mind-blowingly beautiful.
1: Yes, they did a they did quite a job on building a like and like they did such a good job at give at building a Mexico that doesn't just have the typical orange t- <laughs> yes. <to> color palette.
0: <laughs> Every hey, Mexico, Mexico has mountains area. and beaches and 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 jungles and all that stuff too. You know. Yeah, it has vegetation and green in it.
1: <laughs> um. So, yes, congratulations to them for, for to playground for for realizing that that is a thing and putting it in their game. I uh I'm going to tell I you wrote- something.
0: There's someone I know who's a PC aholic and when the game when he launched the game and it opened up all these options, the graphic options, he had a hard on because it allows you to tweak the engine any way you like.
1: Yeah. Um the accessi- they did, they really did a good job with accessibility in this game as well. Like as far as just like visuals, sound, control, representation. They really get they really did a great job at, at building all of that stuff up to make it inclusive to as many people as possible.
0: As a matter of fact, the first thing you do when you open up the game, it actually talks about your accessibility options in terms of controllers and and all that stuff and you know what there's a lot of people who cheat by by putting the the control the accessibility controller so that it's super easy to play they don't care they don't care
1: yeah if there's you're fun. playing in single player mode then there's a then there's an option that makes uh that slows down the race so that you can better take in what's happening and i think that's an interesting option in of itself to just like I don't think I've ever heard of another racing game doing that, where you can actually just slow down the action.
0: You know, I think, to... I think it's, in, it's in Forza's blood because remember, Forza was that thing that invented the rewind button. If you screwed up, you just rewind, and it doesn't care. So okay, you can yeah. rewind as far as you like.
1: Yeah, um, that kind of slow things down and, and make them more like digestible, as in Super Monkey Ball banana mania but it's but it's like but it's like hey you're this is a crutch you're a loser if you take it forza is like no go ahead it's fine you, you do what you need to do we'll be we'll be here for you
0: by the way um super monkey ball just missed being on the remakes remasters list it was a good one it it uh it and so did i really so did near re- uh, near replicant was it it's called near replicant right Near replicant
1: version, blah 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 blah. blah, 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 blah so blah, ma- yeah. so many numbers. <laughs> um, yeah, I really enjoyed my time with Super Monkey Ball. Uh, the thing that the thing that caused that game's downfall is that the fact that they had to build it in a new engine because the original arcade engine that was available for the GameCube versions doesn't exist anymore or isn't accessible. Um, the fact that they had to rebuild this game in a new engine messed with the physics in certain ways and it really rubbed long-time players the wrong way.
0: Okay, so now we're getting to the fun part. We have two categories left and uh, we have Worst Game of the Year. And here's the thing. Um, worst Game didn't necessarily mean a low Metacritic score. Almost all of these games have something morally wrong with them. Things that are so... Not only do they play bad, but it's almost like the publisher was saying, fuck you, except for one of them. One of them was just incompetent. So the nominees we have for worst game of the wo- year is The Lion Wonderworld, Battlefield 2042, E-Football 2022, Grand Theft Auto the Trilogy, the Definitive Edition, and Madden NFL 22, and it's so sad to do Madden NFL 22 because John Madden just passed away yesterday. Yeah. And the the loser is. And I'm pretty sure you know there was no competition for this. Grand Theft Auto: The Trilogy, The Definitive Edition. What a scam! What a
1: scam that whole thing is, man! I was so excited. To go back to Vice City and and play it on a, on like a new platform and to re-explore it. And good lord did everybody thankfully talk me out of it because
0: god. <laughs> Here's the thing. This is the worst part though, and we discussed this in a different podcast. If you were a PC owner, you got royally fucked. Because not only was this a piece of shit, but guess what? You couldn't buy the original anymore. Because they took yeah. it off the Steam stage, like no, you can't have that. You can have this instead. This game, cry-
1: this game crashed the Rockstar la- game launcher for like 48 hours after it launched, which means that not only could no one play this steaming pile of garbage, they also couldn't play Red Dead Redemption Two or uh, or Grand Theft Auto Online because of it. Um, and then they ca- and then they pulled this whole thing where they had to quote-unquote remove files because they left some things in there that weren't supposed to be there, a.k.a. additional music that uh, that they didn't have the licensing to.
0: So here's the thing. Let's talk about all the nominees and how each and every one of them are sleazy. The least sleazy one is Battlefield 2042 because it was just a day one wreck. It was a re- Even the day one patch could not save it. It is a wreck. And it's going to take them months to fix it. Yeah. And I mean,
1: Battlefield 2042 can eventually be good with the amount of effort and uh, the amount of uh, push that EA well, is putting behind it.
0: Yeah. It, it, here's the thing. I wonder if fans will stay with it, though. That's the problem.
1: You don't put Vince Sampella of <laughs> Respawn in charge of the whole franchise if you're not invested in making it work.
0: Um, In my opinion, and you don't have to agree with this... Oh, wait, you're going to talk about eFootball 2022? No. Okay, well, here's the thing before you get... I know, eFootball 2022 must be fucking depressing for you, because I know you really love PES, and now it's POS.
1: Yeah, I really wanted eFootball to succeed, because I thought the free-to-play model is something that should be applied to all sports games, instead of this... Yearly stupid ass fucking seventy dollar purchase of a new roster with nothing fixed and usually more things broken. But then they just tripped and floundered over themselves so hard out of the gate that it just
0: yeah that but I've me- remember when Pro Evolution Soccer was actually a viable uh, uh, alternative to FIFA. Mm-hmm. This was a
1: this was a rush job by Konami and they paid for it.
0: Well, you know. Trust Konami. I mean, they've been doing all sorts of wonderful video game decisions lately, haven't they? Yep. Um, Balan Wonderworld is a tragedy. Here's the and- thing. It's But it's still sleazy for a reason. And um, when you go, you'll see all these positive reviews. But when you look closer, wait a minute. Some of these are just copies of the other positive reviews. And then you realize, oh, my God. They hired their PR firm to make fake positive reviews for your game in the user comments. And that made this game reviled. Because Bland Wonderworld is done by the guy who who did Sonic, right? And um, Mm -hmm. it was his first try at this kind of game. It was uh, Yuji Naka, who has
1: been around the gaming industry for like 40 years, um he worked on he worked on everything from the original sonic games up to nights into dreams up to fantasy star up to this and the fact of the matter is square enix he he asked square enix if he could do this platformer and they told him yes but they didn't give him the resources or the time to make it any better than it was
0: here's the sad part you know here you know People complain, well there's no story in this thing, and then we find out, oh well, there was a story, but he couldn't include it, and if you really want to know the story of the game, here's a booklet. Here's a book, a comic book, or something like that, that actually has all the story in it, so you know what the hell's going on in the game. Yeah. And
1: the fact of the matter is like it's the the the, the glimpses of it are there. Well
0: here's the thing. I the love glimpses, the character the glimpses. Design. The glimpses of everything that he wanted to do are there. I love the character design, for one thing. I mean, mm-hmm. Balan himself, you know, he's sort of like a uh, – I loved – one person called him – uh, what's it called? Willy Wonka if he was a Pokemon.
1: <laughs> That's a good one. Um, yes, I, I really like the costume designs in this game. I love the music in Balan Wonderworld. I think Balan Wonderworld's music is absolutely fantastic. Um, the The platforming? was serviceable the uh level design was crummy
0: and uh, some of the hats made like that that what was it the the box uh the box that you could wear just the made box you, box yeah it just Which, made you for what, or whatever reason it would just have you run off cliffs because it moved on its own at random the box
1: the, the box fox costume randomly makes you turn into an immobile cube at, at intervals that you don't control, and if you have any sort of momentum, it carries through as the cube, meaning that if you're headed towards a ledge <laughs> for a jump and you suddenly turn into a cube, you will f- slide right off the edge <laughs> and into your death. Um, I do not understand why that was made for the... Like, it had to be... I, I never understood what the purpose of that one was, but at the same time, there are so many costumes in this game and so many more useful ones that I didn't get hung up on the stupid one. Um, nonetheless, it is, a, it is a very half-baked game.
0: Like I said, all and of I, these games are sleazy one way or the other, but only one of them is really just... Grand Theft
1: Auto, the trilogy, is actually maliciously shit.
0: And let's not forget to whack Madden NFL 22. This is the first year that actually... The mainstream press started to attack it. It's been shit for, for a decade, and I had to bite my knuckles every time I saw a glowing review from a magazine from someone who really doesn't – who probably played the first two hours of it and said, okay, that's fine, or had really low expectations. But, man, NFL has, has been everything that's wrong with sports games. It's affected even sports games I like like NBA 2K and MLB the Show with these and even even Out of the Park Baseball uses those fucking cards now. But at least Out of the Park Baseball knows that's not what I'm here for. If you want to do it that's fine, but man, NFL 22 is like shit on everything that's specifically single player and everything that's multiplayer is revolves around this crappy MUT, Madden Ultimate <laughs> Team. And the gameplay has gotten worse and worse. And you know who I feel bad for? The developers, because they know it's bad. They know it's bad. They can't say anything about it. They know it's bad. And one of the ex-producers would say, "Well, we thought about, you know, bringing up these. You know, we can include this, include this, include this." And EA say, "No, we want you to have this, 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 and this, and ignore that other shit because it doesn't make us money. You pay seventy dollars for this game. We want more money out of your pocket."
1: Yeah. Yeah, that, and that's why I wanted eFootball to succeed. I wanted it to be high quality, because I think that Madden needs to move to a system where it becomes a free-to-play game, and then they just either polish or add more content to it.
0: Unfortunately, it's Konami who makes it, so don't count on that. I know. I Here's know. A, actually, you know, the one Metal Gear Solid uh, survival game? It was actually Metal, decent. Metal Gear Survive? Yeah, it was actually decent if if you invested a little bit of time in it. You can't say the same thing about their other games.
1: Yeah, they've been putting some effort recently into indie releases, which are decent. They did a they did a, a remake of a old school Konami game as a as a uh, a 2D platformer this year, and it was pretty good.
0: Anyways, um, are there any other games that you really hated this year that that you think could have been on the list? Oh, geez. Um... Come on, there must have been one or two games that just sat on your balls.
1: Uh, let me think. Or was it For just Grand
0: Theft Auto? The trilogy just overshadowed everything and just made you forget <laughs> everything else bad. <laughs> Grand
1: Theft Auto, like if that was mo- that was like audastic how shitty that was like, here's the it thing was,
0: i think it might be the worst game of the decade and we're only in 2021 damn it
1: yeah to to take people's nostalgia and maliciously make a shittier version of it and then destroy version older versions so people can't go back to the to what they enjoy is so unmistakably garbage that i can't fathom Anyone thinking that was a good idea, let alone executives who wanted to make a, a quick buck off of people's uh, nostalgia.
0: They made Warcraft Three Remastered look good.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything that I went out of my way to play that rubbed me the wrong way. Quite like, uh, quite like Grand Theft Auto.
0: That's just your best game of the year. Go ahead, TJ. Alrighty. Best game of the year, Death Loop.
1: Horizon – or Forza Horizon 5, Halo Infinite, Metroid
0: Dread, Psychonauts 2. The winner for best game of the year is Psychonauts 2. There it is. And um, for one thing, it has the benefit of being multi-platform. But also, you know, Halo 2, while it was the best Xbox Series X game to me – I mean Halo Infinite – I think Psychonauts 2 overall was the best single-player experience of the year, to be honest. I agree. There was
1: everything about that was cool as hell.
0: But we know that your best game of the year was Guilty Gear Strive, to be honest. <laughs> I mean that that is a personal choice, but I also
1: think it's not very often that you have a game, a fighting game, that a, a game that literally changes its genre. I uh, I really do mean that when I say that like you will feel the effects, uh, like the fighting game genre will feel the effects of Guilty Gear Strive for years to come.
0: You know, in a funny way, I think Psychonauts 2 did the same thing for open world platformers, really, to tell you the truth, now that I think about it. Because Psychonauts was out there, but Psychonauts 2 just refined everything and showed people, this is what we can do with this kind of game. Yeah, because 3D platforming is tricky
1: perspective and uh, and and context of movement and ability and action is tricky. And Psychonauts too makes it feel smooth and really, really enjoyable. Um I never like, I like the way that Raz sort of magnetizes towards a certain action based off of the context of the situation. If he's jumping near a line, he's going to sort of magnetize to do the tightrope walk. If he's jumping towards a ledge, he's going to grab onto that ledge and, and jump up there. And I don't think I had but one occurrence where that didn't happen. Like, it was so... Contextually sound and so polished as far as the platforming went, I really appreciate that in a 3D platformer.
0: And as we said before, Psychonauts 2 has a very emotional story, but it is also funny as hell as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is that um, Double Fine always knows how to make, at the very least, games that'll make you chuckle to yourself. You know, make you, <laughs> you know, that that sort of giggle, right? That's not quite a laugh, but it's like, yeah, that was cute. You know, games like uh, Full Throttle and Grim Fandango, and even their lesser games like, oh, what was the name of that game with the Matryoshka dolls? Uh, Stacking. Mm-hmm. You know, those sort of games. Uh, Psychonauts 2 had one or two laugh out loud moments. Yes,
1: it was uh, that that it was a quite it was quite a great adventure from beginning to end, and uh, like it did have its collective fun.
0: Which, yeah, that's the only did. thing that bothered me a little bit, and not that it was a collectathon, but um, if you got a hundred, uh, what was it, hundred and one levels or something like that to get the very last power, you basically completed the entire game and there was nothing for you to do. hmm I would have liked if there was a new game plus in which you could start the game with the uh with the level that you're at. You still have to buy the other things, but now you can just go straight to a different thing. I was surprised there wasn't a new game plus the way it was manufactured, but maybe they'll patch that in at some point.
1: Yeah. But I also appreciate a game that does what it came to do and then rolls the credits and that's it and it's like, go do something else now. I uh I, I like a game that will that will respect my time and just be like, We have nothing else for you. You enjoy you you saw the whole thing.
0: Well, I mean I did enjoy the uh post climax after the game is over, um talking with, with people and seeing how it affected them, you know. I mean that, but that you can do it any time after you. If if you can just come back and see how people have you know changed or whatever. Like the conversations that Raz has with his father, and about the terrible secret that we can't talk about right now, but how they're coping with it, you know, afterwards. And he has a very bright outlook about it as well, even though he was his father was thoroughly devastated as much as Raz was. Mm Mm-hmm. Also, I I also like um. This is not a spoiler, um, even though it happens after the game. Uh, when all is said and done, when you go to Truman's uh, zanato, and he's he's there with his uh, is it his granddaughter or his daughter? This is. It's his. Daughter, it's, his right? uh, it's his daughter. Right, with Lily, and when you use uh when you use uh clairvoyance on him, he sees you. <laughs> As a date with a powder blue suit and a, and a, and a, and a flower, you know, those dorky uh, prom dates, you know, I thought that was really cute.
1: I'm going to ha- go ahead and share a certain spoiler and like not to I'm not going to share it explicitly, but mm-hmm. I do want to say that it's one of my favorite things in that entire game that the villain has a it's a small world uh Oh yeah, he has a small uh, uh, it's a small world head. after all
0: parody, yeah.
1: All all about all about how he uh, how he's a hero and uh, everyone else is shitty. It's one of the funniest and most genius uh, villain uh, brain level like it's
0: one of the most genius looks into a villain's brain I've ever seen. The other thing is that um one the, I got an achievement just for doing something that I was going to do anyway and uh, you get an achievement for smashing the three music boxes that are playing that song. Because <laughs> it's <Yeah>. annoying. <laughs> you actually search out those boxes because that that It's a Small World After All parody just gets on your nerves. Mm-hmm. And it
1: just continues to like escalate. That whole thing is an escalation of him just being like, I'm great, everybody else is wrong. Yeah,
0: uh. <laughs> and that's the one difference between him and everybody else is that he's not mentally ill. He's just an extreme sociopath narcissist mm-hmm. who just wants to have servants weighing on him, and he thinks all he has to do is get this monster. He thinks if he frees the monster, the monster will work for him. Boy, is he wrong. <laughs> all he wanted was his caviar, man. He wants caviar, damn it. He wants his hotel rooms and his caviar, and he wants servants groveling at his feet. Yeah. I uh Like, that is... He is I, a man-child, I, I, literally. I, I don't get
1: to talk about that part much because I don't want to share spoilers, but I really, really appreciate the hell out of how much they made the villain a complete piece of shit when you get to his
0: mind. <laughs> yeah and the thing is that you think it's gonna be the monster but it's not mm-hmm. the monster it's just the guy who thinks he can control the monster mm-hmm. and what i also like is that i'm glad i played rhombus of ruin before i played psychonauts 2 because there is a sequel hook for though if you squint at it because in rhombus of ruin someone wanted to steal raz's brain for himself and one of the characters. It's not the big bad, it's not the monster, it's actually something you don't expect. It's a very aloof science type who has who's in control of all the brains in the jars, and he offhandedly says, well, you'll be a brain in the jar someday too, should have read your NDA, and it makes me think he's going to be the villain of Psychonauts 3. Interesting. It's hard to t- uh, say all that without giving away major plot points. But I managed to do it. Yep. So uh, Psychonauts 2, I, I would go with Psychonauts 2 as game of the year. Actually, maybe I'll be wishy-washy and make it a tie between Halo Infinite and Psychonauts 2. Both the games are extremely emotional. You haven't gotten to the end of Halo Infinite story mode yet. I suggest you you reevaluate when you say – it's not going to make you say it's better than Second Psychonauts 2, but it's, it's surprisingly emotional for a Halo title. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's the other thing um, before you go on. The villain in Halo Infinite, the villains, they, like Psychonauts 2, have a very good reason for being the way they are, and you actually get to sympathize with them. There's only one character you do not sympathize with, and that's um, the villain who's going to be the villain from moving forward. Because they want to unleash something on the universe. And I'm not going to get beyond that. But what were you going to say? I was going to say, Deathloop and... Every one of these is an absolutely
1: fantastic pick for uh, best game of the year. Um, Deathloop and, and Metroid Dread, we've been talking about a bunch already. But, like, I really do think that Deathloop is... Not just the best that Arcane has ever done and like a, a, a grand evolution of Arkane's style. But I think it shows a lot of growth as far as what they've done with like studying other people's mechanics and game design elements and thoughtfully working into their game.
0: Does Arcane uh, say what they're going to be doing next? It's going to be that, uh, that vampire co-op shooter. Oh, right. Redfall. And that's actually coming out this year. Uh-huh. In April. Um... But dang, like as far as the single
1: player experience goes, and like the, the, that invasion mechanic with Juliana is a is an interesting thing. Like, regardless of whether you play with other people or not, it happens, and you'll simply have AI control Juliana when she, when it happens in single player. Um, I think it's a I think it's a cool setup for like just having that sort of multiplayer aspect in a, in an otherwise single player game. Um, of course, Metroid Dread is like a love letter to longtime fans, as well as being its own
0: solid platformer. How scary do you think it is?
1: How scary? Yeah. Um. When you're in the sound design is a huge th- thing in Metroid Dread as, as well. When you're in the area where an Emmy is running around, which again are those killer robots that can't be defeated unless you until you get to a certain point. Um. They do these little. Echolocation beeps and and little chatter and little uh, chatters that uh, that tell you that they're searching for you, and you'll hear it like before you see them, you'll hear the and it's so unnerving because you know they're they're trying to close in on you, and when you finally see it and you see its cone of vision, it's upsetting. Because you, like you have to like scramble to get out of there. They move very quickly. Um, so yeah, that game is is scary. There is definite dread throughout as you're trying to get away from these things. I love Metroid Dread. It's so good. Every one of these games is good. And Psychonauts 2 very well deserves best for game of the year.
0: And... Like I said, um, it was real choice. It's it's hard to pick among them because there's like a hair's length between each of them in terms of quality. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, just realize they're all apples and oranges, basically. Only two, two of them are even vaguely like each other. I mean, Deathloop and Halo Infinite are both FPSs, but that's about as close as they come to, uh, to being together. Yeah. And then there's the
1: games that, like, didn't make this list that – were probably just barely off. Like, Hitman was great. Guilty Gear was great. Resident Evil Village. Resident Evil Village. Uh, Resident Evil 4 VR was, like, an incredible... Besides just being Resident Evil 4, it's also an incredible case study of how people can design combat interaction in a VR game.
0: Um, Heck, you know, and one of the most best-reviewed games of the year was Tales of Arise, and it didn't it didn't, it didn't make it. And I'll tell you this. We didn't
1: give it a lot of... Uh, we didn't give it a lot of a conversation here, but Life is Strange True Colors is a really, really good Life is Strange game.
0: You know, I think one of the things that brings it back is that you can tell it's a don't-nod game. Yeah. But, like, the, the design of, like, being able... They always the color, design
1: yeah. these... These very coming of age stories around this uh, around a power that yeah some psychic powers yeah and I think the idea of like being able to see the colors of people's emotions is a very interesting one
0: yeah and also you know I am one of the good things about this being sort of a weakish game is that you know some of these games you know a lot of people don't know about like I just pointed out Overboard to you and it might be worth a look because if
1: is a game that i'm going to go check out immediately after we're done with this episode
0: <laughs> yeah it's it's gotten rave reviews and hey look if you miss Advance wars you know the, the it's always nice to have an advanced wars type a, a combat game
1: mm-hmm, for sure
0: anyways uh look for our show notes at gamingpodcast.net along with industry news and our gaming history articles we enjoy your feedback, so leave us comments at our blog at gamingpodcast.net. Also, hit us up at facebook.com slash gamingpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes leave us some iTunes comments. Um, next week, we're going to be talking about the biggest news stories of 2021. And you can bet one of the stories will be Grand Theft Auto, the trilogy, the definitive edition will be one of those stories. Uh, we'll probably be talking about how Game Pass has gotten so huge that Sony's going to be implementing their own version of it. And, you know, here's the thing. I like it when one company does something that is very consumer-friendly and other companies say, oh, shit. Oh, shit. That's, they're making money off that? Let's do it, too. Because it only helps the consumer.
1: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon. Um, I am... Very interested to see how 2022 turns out with so many games that were kind of pushed back because of the pandemic and because of, uh, of other delays. Uh, February itself is going to be a maelstrom of good games.
0: I don't know. Every time I see more and more about Starfield, I get more and more hyped. That's coming out in November. Mm-hmm. The problem is is that I'm just hoping it's not another, you know, it's like Burned Again, with fallout or elder scrolls oh yeah and the other thing we're probably going to be talking about uh news of 2021 is oh god so depressing to talk about but all the me too stuff and all the sexual harassment all these companies it's like every week has been a new story about this person and that person and oh by the way bobby Kodak knew what was going on all that shit it's like a drag Yeah. Um
1: I'm not I'm I'm personally not investing in uh Activision Blizzard things <laughs> and, until Bobby Kotick is out of that company.
0: Wow, I mean that really ruined Diablo 2 for you, didn't it? I
1: hate Everything that they have done to Activision Blizzard, I hate everything that they've done to their employees, and I hate that they have fight it that they are fighting so hard against their employees asking for better conditions and better equality. Yeah,
0: that's the other thing. Um, uh, I don't know if you talked about this, uh, and well, maybe it was because we didn't have any podcasts for the past two weeks, but there's also the unionization, and I love how some Blizzard. Execs say, well, you don't need to, you and your. Yeah, bullshit. <laughs> if you just give it time, we'll fix things. We gave three years. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, California is fucking suing you.
1: <laughs> and the gall of Bobby Kotick to have a story come out about him threatening to kill an employee and protecting a sexual abuser. Only for him to come and say, "If you don't, uh, if you don't think I'm invested in the uh, in the uh, in the health and positivity of this company, then you don't understand what I'm giving up." It's like fuck you, dude. You don't need, you don't get to say that after everything that's happened.
0: Yeah, that's like a eleventh hour. Uh, you know, ask for forgiveness to be. Yeah, I hate him. I hate him so much. <laughs> well. I mean, you if, if you just started hating him, you're like, uh, what, f- 15 oh, years? No.
1: Oh, no. I always thought that he was a colossal pile of rats in a human suit. But <laughs> he has really shown the fullest extent made, of how reprehensible he can be this year.
0: He made John Ricciatello look like a saint. Hell, mm-hmm. He made Yves Jumeau look better, and we're, this all started with Ubisoft. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I hope that the folks that are over at Ubisoft are fighting for the same – many of the same things. I hope that they succeed as well.
0: And Riot Games hasn't learned a damn thing either. I mean it, it, they, they did a lot of talk, and really nothing changed.
1: They did have to pay out $100 million to uh, to – uh, employees and contractors, in and the, the outcome of the recent sexual abuse lawsuit.
0: That's going to be pennies compared to what Activision Blizzard is probably going to have to pay. To tell you the truth, right? But I am happy to share the
1: fact that yes, uh, they they originally wanted to settle for ten million, and the uh, the company or the uh, firm that was uh, putting the lawsuit against them said, "Fuck no,
0: you don't get to." The, <laughs>
1: <laughs> you don't get to get away with that with a slap on the wrist this time.
0: Well, like I said, you know, uh, California is suing suing Activision Blizzard, so they really have. At some, they ha It's not gonna have Bobby Kotick's booting is not gonna happen until they're. It's financially until Activision Blizzard finds it's financially un- un- You know, bad to have them because they don't. The stock
1: at Activision Blizzard has plummeted since all of this story has been going on, and then there was the fact that he uh, he did he actually saw, uh, wrote an email in uh, in Francis Townsend's name, basically bla- putting uh, whistleblowers on blast, and then signed her signature on it. That came out, and the fact that he so the fact that he
0: lied to investors. Oh, and the fact that he uh, is plummeting the stock. Here's the thing, we're 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 wasting this on uh, on this postscript. We really this is stuff we should be talking next week about in the uh full episode. But like I said, this is just a taste of what you're going to get next week when we talk about the news stories of 2021. And then hopefully uh we'll start talking about games in 2022. Yep. It's been a good episode and it's been a it's
1: not the best year for games, but it was. It does have a lot of things I enjoyed. Here's the thing.
0: Um, uh, uh, in a whole, it was not very good, but the highs were really high.
1: Yeah. I think that in a year where there were more fighting games, Guilty Gear Strive would still be the best among them. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, like I said, it was um nominee for best PC game and best PlayStation 5 game overall. And, And Halo just shocked
1: the hell out of everybody, because 343 finally did it. They finally figured out how to make an amazing Halo game.
0: Finish Halo, and then come back to me, because if you think the story is good so far in Halo Infinite, it gets really... it it elevates in the last half of the game. I will do just that. Anyways, we will see you next week. Have fun, be cool, play games, y'all.